Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 93 of Beer Not Just Podcast Adjunct Series. We're in the building. Uh, tons of great episodes lately, guys. I've uh, really enjoyed this run that's sort of naturally come together. So this evening, we are connecting with a brew that I've wanted to chat with for, honestly, a couple of years now. Um, the, the you know If you're into the stuff that we're into, you know the haze, all the fun stuff, these guys are like one of the gods in Ontario. I'm excited to get the story and crack some of these beers, mate. So everyone, please welcome Troy from Badlands, and of course Nathan from Nathan Does Beer to help me out, guys. <laughs> welcome, fellas. Thanks for hanging out, Troy. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. Yes, likewise, mate. That's nice to meet you finally. Yeah. Um, so we got a good one tonight, guys. With some fantastic beers, obviously. And uh, I'm really genuinely keen to get into the story. So let's start off with this uh, this first bad boy right here, the Select Citra, 6.5% IPA. Tell us about this one, bro. Yeah, so I mean... Um, oh, shit, the, it's a club. Yeah, so I mean, this is... A, I like the joke. It's kind of a collab, but it also sort of isn't. It's the most collab collab we've ever done. It also okay. isn't. Um, <laughs> in the sense that we, we, we build the, the recipe itself um, just like on our, basically our, what I would consider kind of like our house 6.5% recipe. Um, if you drink our beer enough, you'll know very, very quickly that we don't mess too far uh, around in the ABV scale. Like almost all of our beers are fixed. So we do like IPA, 6.5, double IPA, 8.2. The one exception is tree crawler, which we'll have later today. But like, I just like that ABV, like not range, just that ABV. So that's just what I do. So anyways, this is our six and a half percent, like kind of like house-ish recipe, very standard. Um, and uh, the collab piece is, um, you know, our friends uh, at Blood Brothers and uh, Third Moon and us went out to Yakima this year. Uh, we get, got together on a group contract and we went out and selected some hops and, uh, this is our collective selection of Citra. Hell yeah. So this, this is a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, individually, none of us would have been able to select, um, really anything. Okay. Uh, but collectively we were able to select for, I want to say it was six varieties. So, uh, oh, we basically started a series and, uh, called the select. And it's uh, we selected for Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, Sabro, Eldorado, a few others. And uh, yeah, this is the first one in the series coming out, uh, and it's Citra. So this is our selection of Citra this year. Uh, um, yeah, like I said, selected it with uh, the guys from uh, Blood Brothers and Third Moon. And um, this is the first hop we selected for while we were out there. And um, on the table, it smelled really great. Um, and I think it turned out pretty nice in this beer, too. Glorious. That sounds sick. All right. Let's get that in us. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Get Great nose. Gentlemen. Mm. Well, that is glorious. I love that. I love that you've um you've got that just the standard base. I, I did notice that actually, but I didn't I just thought it maybe was like a, a coincidence or something, but I love that you got the standard 6.5 8.2 for this. So this is money, man. I'm yeah. Like, between six and seven is, I think, like the. I think Nate, you might agree. It's like the the money zone for IPAs is. Uh, yep. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Right. I mean, that's yeah. why we 
we make more six and a half percent IPA than I think probably most breweries. Like we we do make double IPA, um, but uh, as far as like lower alcohol, like that's why we chose six and a half. I find you can get like nice body, you can still get nice hop character, mm. uh, but you, you know you don't you don't really I don't know. It's a nice like midpoint. It's not as like expressive or big or full as a double. Uh, but you can still yeah. really get a lot of pop extraction and still have this like big, soft, fluffy, kind of creamy body. Um, and yeah, that's why I was like, you know what? Why mess around with it? I love this ABV. Like, let's leave it there. Um, and we do change out. Like, I'll be I'll be honest. Like our our ingredients like pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, truly the exact same all the time. Um, we'll mess around with what we're using in terms of like base malts. Uh, we'll mess around with what we use for, you know, like adjuncts, whether it's oats, percentage points, um, dextrin malt, wheat, whatever, uh, in a bunch of different ranges. But once we have kind of uh, like on, on both systems now, so now we just also scaled up to a new brewery. So it took a little bit of time to truly dial these beers in. Um, but now that we've been brewing enough, you know, I know that if we move certain ingredients in or out and move around the proportions, I know that, you know, it's like, oh, drop, drop a bag here bag here whatever it needs to be to actually like truly make it six and a half not just like yeah i don't know it's it's around that <laughs> that's perfect man. so yeah um uh, so a question with the citra is this um uh, like is this just like kind of one uh, like one method of citra or is there any kind of co- like any kind of combination of like the like lupulin powder incognito any like anything like that in here good question no, it's uh, just straight up T90. So, um, oh, okay. I mean, the biggest the biggest thing about like this particular beer, um, at least for me, uh, is we until this point have never used a single lot of any single variety of hops ever. Okay. So typically, when you use hops, like you get, it would be essentially like an amalgamation of like a number of different you know acres or farms of hops. Um, so like, you know, YCH and whoever will have, uh, just uh, however many brewers are, you know, qualified or whatever can have the volume to support selections. And then once they make selections, basically whatever is left, they'll put into like, you know, one, two or three or whatever amount of master blends. And then they push those out to like the biggest customers or just push it out into the market. And really like that year that becomes what people mostly know as Citra. Hmm. So what we wanted to do. Um, and why we're so adamant about like hops and I've been wanting to do this product. And if you make IPA, which we certainly make our fair share, uh, hops are a really important component of that, you know, agricultural product that varies year to year. Um, and one of, you know, the easiest ways, or maybe not easiest, but most effective ways of making uh, just straight up a different tasting beer than your kind of like, local market is by being able to source different ingredients. Um, and it's also just more interesting, right? So if we're able to go there buy a single lot of hops and, you know, we smell four on the table, one of them smells decidedly like what you would expect citrus smell like. And the other just smells straight up. You smell it and you're like, I don't know, like that's better to me. It's like, we'll always want to choose the better. Like if that just hits our nose and we're like, that smells fruitier, it smells more just whatever, citrusier and we're like that smells great and the other one like smells more like what you would recognize citra as um it's like i'd rather just choose the better hop and then for that year it's like well that's what we're using it smells like like our citra now just smells like that which we 
we, you know, anecdotally think is hopefully going to be better. Um, again, we're, we're new to this. This is our first year selecting. So I'm not saying for sure, like, yeah, this selection's better than everyone else's. Cause like it for sure isn't better. Uh, and ultimately everyone's pal different anyways, but you know, of what we were presented <laughs> on that table, this is the best of what we smelled. That's so right. cool. What a, what a great experience. This, sorry. As you're talking bro, this beer is, is insane. This is insane. Like I've Thanks, had your man. stuff before and I feel like, I don't know if like, do you, does it continue to improve over time? Do you think, I guess, as you're refining your techniques and, and that type of thing, like I've, it's always been a on fire, but this, I don't know, this is like another level. Maybe because it's been, I got a bunch of stuff maybe in the summer last year. And sure. I don't know, this is like, I just feels leveled up a little bit, even from that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, there's no question that we're, we're always making our beer better. Um, and if you had our beer like last summer, for example, like I'll be blunt, like our beer wasn't as good as it historically has been at that point in time. Um, we would have been like, I'm trying to think. I got the you June know, batch. I got the, the June Dora. Um, sure. It was I can't even now. remember exactly what beers those are, but all I can say for sure is we were still like, you know, 30 or whatever brews in um, at that roughly at that point in time. Okay. I can double check. But anyways, it's, it's on our new system and, you know, we had gotten to the point, uh, you know, like a five brews in that I was like, cool, we're able to like, you know, extract sugars properly. But, you know, it takes, it takes a really long time to find balance in your beer. Mm. Um, and though our recipe on paper uh, today is uh, almost identical to what it was on the small system, uh, I will say like it has been a really long, slow game of inches to just kind of bring our beer to a point where I'm really consistently happy with it, which is the other thing. Um, tweaking is, is important for improving your beer. Uh, but you know, anytime you tweak, you are changing your beer and that doesn't necessarily mean for the better. So you really do have to do it slowly, carefully take notes, like be very, very harsh with your assessment. Be like, look, is this better or worse? The same? Is it relevant as a, you know, a change? Does it matter? All those things. And um, yeah, anyways. So like last summer, like we were periodically, um, I would say making beers that I was really happy with. Um, but consistency has always been something that um, like I would hang my hat on. Like, you know, on the old system, I'd be like, look, I think our beers are generally speaking uh, predictable in the way that they drink, the way that they express themselves. And when you drink a Badlands beer, it tastes like a Badlands beer. Um, and last summer, it didn't, it wasn't doing that. And it wasn't doing that in the spring. It wasn't doing that in the winter. Like we were, we were still working on it. Um, and, you know, we're still working on it now too, but I will, I will say confidently at this point, like I feel way better about our beer on a week to week basis um, over the last few months that I have, um, really since we've switched over to the new system. Um, mm. It's in a nice zone right now where um, every time I make changes, the things that I expect to happen, happen. Um, and when I tweak something, I have a predictable result or like uh, when I, you know, execute a different recipe, I, you know, I get the right metrics on paper and then I get the right mouthfeel. And like, so it's just, it's a bit of a game of learning um, anytime you change. And um, it's important to note as well, like when we changed, like it wasn't a small change. Like we, we went from brewing on a hundred ish, 120 liter system. So it's just a homebrew system that we basically started selling beer from. Wow. Um, and now we brew on a 
2200 liter system so it's it's quite a lot bigger um you know it's you know the old one was electric we had elements in it um it was like this little like rim system uh and now we have steam jacketed uh it's still a three vessel but it's just a totally different way of heating we get different heat dispersion we get different boil offs uh we have different like time to hit temperatures different cooling metrics so like literally when i talk about like what is consistency at badlands like it's as much a recipe process as it is like a mechanical process. So um, we built a lot of the brewery ourselves. So part of, you know, early on, um, you know, why our beer wasn't consistently turning out the way we want is straight up the machines weren't working the way I wanted them to. And, you know, one of the most important things about brewing beer consistently is consistent process. Um, and if you can't, you know, heat your beer consistently, cool your beer consistently, lauder consistently, you know, whatever, have a beautiful like boil that boils off like exactly the amount of you want, get the right isomerization out of your hops, get your whirlpool down to whatever temperature you want before you hit it with a whirlpool hops. Like all of those things really matter a tremendous amount when you're like, okay, I'm going to make a water chemistry addition. It's like, well, none of that matters unless the other shit is locked in. Mm. So, so it just took so long to lock all that shit in, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, like, what you were doing beforehand had already made a ton of noise in, in the scene anyway, even if you didn't feel it was where it needed to be. So, I mean, like, people must be stoked with this, uh, with, the, with the new, like, the, the, you know, the more consistent and the higher quality even than before, which was already put you guys in this top-tier conversation in the province and in the country. Yeah. You know? I mean, I hope so. Um, I hope, I hope every time you come back and have our beer, you, you like, you should expect it to be better. And I hope that you actually think it is better. Um, like I said, on the old system, we got to that point where I think people just expected it to be that way. And I think we genuinely were delivering in that sense. And, um, yeah, it was tough early on, but, uh, I think and hope at least that people now feel that way about our beer. Um, now, I mean, I know, like I said, I know I feel a better beer that way. It doesn't mean it can't get better because like I said, it's, it's an endless, uh, pursuit. You're always tweaking, refining, uh, trying to make things drink just a little bit better, a little bit, you know, whatever De yeah. depends what you're chasing. But, uh, you know, uh, at the same time, sometimes it's okay to just like the beer too and not think too hard about it. And mm -hmm. this is one of those ones where, you know, I don't really look at this one as like, ah, oh, what should I fix? Uh, this one was really just like, I know what this is. I just, the only, like the, you know, question mark is the hops. Like, what's that going to be like on their own? We went there and selected right. them. I'm actually using this as another way to basically record data so that when we go back to do hop selections next year, I'm like, all right, this is our single hop expression. How did I feel about it? And I open it up and go, okay, here's my like smelling notes. This is what I rubbed. This is what I smelled. These are the four that we chose from. I chose this. This is what it tasted like in the beer. And then hopefully next year, we're going to do this again. We're going to make our selections. Then we're going to brew this basically same beer uh, again whenever we get the, the next year's hops. And then I'll record that data. And basically, this is like a multi-year process where it's like, we're just trying to get better at making beer by getting better at selecting our ingredients. Hmm. So that means you'll be doing the select series for all of the, I think you said like six different varieties that you selected with the, the other guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'll do it with all the hops. We'll definitely do it for Citra Mosaic Simcoe. Um, I know people probably don't want a single hop Sabro beer, but I'm probably going to do that. Wow. <laughs> and Underrated. 
I feel like people like tried to hate Sabro. I don't know why everyone all of a sudden decided Sabro sucks now and now everyone stops using it. I mean, I, I have yeah, a that few, was a, uh, sorry, go ahead, Nate. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I was just gonna I, like I, I was just gonna say that had a the, like that had a bit of a weird pattern because when it yeah. first appeared on the scene, uh, well, like with like with that kind of new flavor that, um, that like that you didn't really get out of many hops before that, like, like people were going nuts for it, and then it kind of like and then in the last couple of years, it's had, like it's had kind of that dip where people are kind of like oh sabro again or like like and i don't know if they're just kind of finding the um like the flavor bill like just overdone or if they're finding it doesn't gel or if they're just like or if it's just going through a wave but yeah it's like it's definitely gone through a weird pattern mm. i think it definitely oh, yeah. still does um like it enhances certain like certain um, that like certain hop profiles really well if it's uh, like if it's used pre like pretty well deliberately. I could probably count on one hand though um, the number of like single hop Sabro beers that I've had now that like now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of them. I mean, we we did a single hop Sabro beer back when it was like HBC whatever. Um, and immediately I was like, this hop is gonna be like some shit. Like this is gonna be a thing. Yeah, um, and I was very happy when it got released, and it still is one of my favorite hops. But I will say, anytime like a hop, so like Sabro, like Sabro did gain in a lot in popularity, and you know the growers obviously responded to that by planting more of it. Um, and as soon as you increase acreage, you increase you know farms growing it in different regions, you start to get a different product. Um, and I will say yeah. the variability in what you get you know, when you purchase Sabro, like as a guy who brews with Sabro. Uh, if I were to go to like three different places and get Sabro, it would taste very much like not that consistent. Hmm. You can be anywhere yeah. from like creamy coconut to straight up like licking a cedar tree. Like it can be a uh, uh, very widespread. Um, huh. And, and like, so that might like purely speculation on my part, that might be one of the reasons why people like it less now is that um, a coconut can be uh, like a polarizing flavor. I don't get it because I love yeah. coconut, which is probably why I like Sabro. But when Sabro like edges towards that like weird cedary side, um, it's not really for me. <laughs> so like it might just be like more of that's out there. Uh, and then there's also the people who don't like coconut in the first place. So then there's just like a larger contingent of people that are like, mm, that hop's not for me. But personally, I'm bullish on Sabro. I want to see more of Sabro. It's delicious. The one that you guys yeah. rubbed this year was that coconut forward. Sorry, Nate. The so which one thing? Did you did you picked you selected? Sorry, uh, Sabro with yeah. third. Yeah, was that one? Yep. On the coconut side and not the seed, the cedar side. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It smells like a coconut, like got down with a mandarin orange. Like it smelled amazing. <laughs> Woof. Nice money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think Third Moon just got it into Love Lies Bleeding this week. Okay. Um, which yeah, was it this week? Yeah. Anyways, I just had some the other day, and it, it tastes great. I, I was yeah very happy to taste it in their beer and be like, oh man, I think we selected good here. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Nate, you were going to say something. I cut yeah, um, as you were um, as you were describing that, Troy, it reminded me of uh, something that Sawdust City did. I think like five years ago, um, like where they did like a terroir 
study like a couple yes. of beers, like two beer, uh, like two IPAs with uh, like with identical recipes, um, but just uh, but just I think it was with hops grown on uh, like grown on different farms, or it was like something yep, that correct. was like or, or the water was from different places or no, something like hops. that. But the recipe was identical. It was the hops. Okay, one was uh, like grown on different farms, um, and. Uh, like and the two beers tasted completely different. Even uh, like even though yeah, it was really. the same hops with the same recipe, same brewing process, everything. The only thing that was different was where the hops were grown. So, like that, yeah. like that seems to definitely be a thing that uh, like you could get pretty wide um, variation in flavors, even just from something as simple as who uh, like as who's growing the hops where. Mm. Oh, totally. I mean, it's. Uh yeah, it's undeniable that terroir plays a part. I mean, ultimately, like hops having a brand name is the same as like a beer having a brand name. It's just for recognition so that you have like an idea of what that is, um, which yeah. is also part of the reason why they make a master blend because it's more consistently that thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the difference between even on a single farm, you know, if there's one acre or one row that was better exposed to light, got a little bit more rain, got a little bit more shade. You'll get like a totally different growth pattern out of those hops. Um, and yeah, like it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone who's, yeah, I don't know, even has like a garden or whatever that um, different plants grow differently and they taste differently as a result. And hops are no exception to that. Ultimately, these are just flowers and um, yeah, they're not the same. <laughs> That's so sick. That's fascinating, man. I, I really I agree with you though with the Sabro. Everything I've seen is exactly that. People are like a titan of coconut, but then I think you're right as well about the seed. I think that doesn't sound pleasant at all, and I can imagine it's not even worth risking it if you're not sure if it's going to hit that coconut. Uh, totally. And then you're going to have to use. Especially the Sabro is intense. And it, even like you imagine right? intense cedar. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what you want. Yeah. Not even like a smoke beer would really cut it. No, I, that's the thing. I don't think you want it in anything, really. Like, no, I don't want to drink yeah. that. That's, uh, that's filthy. Excuse me. This is just insane. Sorry, this beer is fucking insane. Um, Thanks. I'm really, really impressed. Let's, uh, let's, go, let's get the story. I know we could, uh, we could kind of weave around. Maybe we'll get that out the way. So how did you personally, how did you discover beer? How did you get into it? And how did that lead to, to brew? Yeah, I mean, I'm just a home brewer. Like, uh, I like to joke that you know, Sean Hill basically ruined my life because I drank some of Hill Farmstead's beer. Um, and then I was naive enough to think that I could just go home and make it because I didn't see any of it in the market. Um, and, you know, I tried to do that on my stove in 2014 and obviously did not succeed. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. The beer was, at first, not great. Like, I still have some of that brewing equipment. It was just, you know, a two-gallon or three-gallon like pot that I bought from Canadian Tire and then an igloo cooler that I kind of built a mash ton out of and then I just fermented stuff in buckets. Um, the IPA was pretty shit that I made and the mixed firm stuff was all right. So I mostly made mixed firm that way. Eventually I just started kind of adding more and more equipment, started to get a little bit expensive um, and I was like, all right, maybe I should just, you know, like look into the possibility of starting a brewery, you know, make some money back also very naive. Uh, you don't make money while brewing, really. I still am finding out to this day. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so I looked into it. Uh, in about 2015, I started looking into it. And that year, uh, the the Wynn government, actually, so Kathleen Wynn's uh, Liberal Party passed a farm bill 
that allowed for uh, breweries basically to open on farms as a provincial law. So um, I live on a farm with my wife. It's my uh, wife's mm-hmm. family's farm. It's, uh, my son will be the fourth generation who currently lives here. Um, nice. So we were living here and I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe I can start a brewery. <laughs> now that the wind government has go. made it undeniably possible. Um, yeah, that being said, it still took another two years to get open. Starting a brewery on a farm is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, you take for granted a lot of the things that you know you might have access to in a city like water. You know, you don't just have water in the middle of a hayfield. You don't have gas. You don't have electricity. You don't have buildings in hayfields. So there's a lot of there's a lot of infrastructure requirements um, that just don't exist. But basically, we just kind of. Uh, we just got to work, um, talking to the town, figuring out what we were going to need. And uh, we built a 600 square foot brewery and it was just a one barrel brewery. So like I said, it's about 120-ish liters. Um, we were yielding like 105 or something finished beer of IPA at the time. So um, we started out with just you know three one barrel tanks and just started making beer. Uh, we started for like just cash. It was like not a lot of money. We did all the work. Like I said, we, uh, if you go back to every year, we, we post uh, a beer called perspective. We'll put up like some pictures of what that early years looks like. Probably doesn't mean a lot to people. Cause it's just like pictures of empty rooms. And then like these little tanks that make no sense, maybe out of context. But anyways, <laughs> if you want to go back and look at our Instagram post, we released it like, I think two months ago. Uh, and there's some, some nostalgia inducing stuff there, but yeah, it's just a little 600 square foot um, uh, old retrofitted calf barn. We just totally gutted it, uh, rebuilt the whole thing, and then put a little brewery in it. And then we slowly expanded that. Went from three tanks to six tanks to nine tanks to 12 tanks to then we added some triple barrel tanks uh, during COVID because people were freaking out and we were trying to give them a little more beer. Still wasn't enough, but at least we said we tried. And at that point, the brewery was full. Um, and, and so then we, uh, all of this in the background too, we were, we were always planning on getting a bigger brewery. Um, but it became, it became clear my initial, I guess, like, uh, sizing up goals were probably the wrong choice. Um, especially the more I got into it at one point we were brewing four to six times a week. Um, so I was working a day job, you know, like, so I started work at six, I'd be done at like, you know, three and then I'd get home at like, you know, three forty-five, four, And then I would brew till like nine or 10 at night uh, every day. And then on Fridays I would package four. It, that's what I mean, man. You need a lot of time. You got to start early. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, Practicing yeah. Practice. And then on Fridays every, every week. So there would be some double brew days. Like sometimes I'd take, you know, either the day off work or whatever, and then just do a double, which would be a 12 hour day, basically just brewing. And then uh, on Fridays every week we would just package. So that's another like 12 to 15 hour day there. Then we'd open on Saturday and then uh, Sunday we would basically just kind of deal with like, you know, accounting, bookkeeping, whatever, and then just start again on the Monday. And we did that for years. Um, I mean, we're basically still doing it. It's just a little bit less brewing, thankfully. Um, but yeah, that was that was us until uh, September 2020. So that's when we started brewing on the new system. So now we brew, you know, one to 
three times a week. Typically it's like one, one or two times a week, uh, depending on if we're like packaging for kegs or whatever. Um, we make a lot more beer brewing one or two times, obviously. Um, which is, which is nice, but it gives us a little more time for other stuff. And then, um, yeah, we just got that brewery working as best as we could. Um, and then roughly speaking, the way we've been doing it too, is every, we have like rotating years for when we spend on different things. So, uh, two years ago, we got the brewery basically built out. We had to build a whole new building. So we built another 2000 square foot building again in the middle of a farm field. Um, we literally like from scratch, right? So we had to build, you know, we had to get water to it, gas to it, electricity to it. Um, then we had to build all the glycol piping, all the steam piping, everything all like, it was quite a lot of work. I was actually just before we got on doing just more water piping. The pipes, they're starting to build up. There's a lot of them. <laughs> like, like you're really, really building it from the ground up at that point. Yeah, That's like crazy. quite literally. Uh, yeah, like I'm not joking. It used to be a hay field. Like we grew hay in that field. And then we put a building on it. And that's now where we brew beer. Um, we're building another building right now in the hay field as well beside it. It's just all of these projects are very, very literally ground up. Um, you know, they're, they were previously f like just mud, basically, or, you know, growth land. Um, so all of them just take a really, really long time. Um, like we started the new building that we now brew mm -hmm. out of uh, back in 20, would have been like January 2018 I guess we would have been like starting to like dig it out pouring concrete stuff like that and then uh, because we're also brewing throughout we only have so much time to actually work on the building so we would like you know in one weekend we would like insulate the building or whatever um, and then we would do like like it took me like four months to finish the glycol piping because it's like 400 linear feet of two inch PVC 20 feet in the ceiling like it took a long time to get up there oh, and gosh. do all the ladder yeah, it took it took some time, but I got it done. It works great. Um, we're still using it to this day. It's built for expansion too, so that we don't have to do this again and again and again. Um, which is also why we built such a big brewery the second time. I didn't want to have to ever do this again. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> built two breweries in three years. I was like, no more breweries, man. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's crazy. So the, the uh, new one you're yeah. building is that is that that's are they all attached? Like to the correct me if I'm wrong. Is that things attached? Ones? They're not attached. Yeah. So they're all they're all separate buildings. So okay. like the ori original brewery is like you know 40 feet away from the the new brewery. Okay. They're like across from each other where there's like a it's just a mud path at this point in this time of year. Usually it's a dirt path, but right. <laughs> right now it's mud. And then beside like 40 feet off, like to the north we're building a new building. It's like a new long barn for storage and stuff. Um, so we're hoping to be able to expand like our barrel program to start stocking like malts and cans and stuff like that. Um, so that's what that's for. We're spending on the back end this year. Last year we spent a lot on like getting our front of house good to go. So we, we built like this big patio. Like, I guess that's important to note for anyone who's never been here. It used to just be a shed, <laughs> right. like very literally again, a, this, it used to be an old cow pasture, uh, generally the area. And like, it's where, like when we had calves, we would just put them up there so that they wouldn't get like attacked by coyotes or anything like that. Cause they'd be closer to the homes essentially. Um, so we just built a 10 by 10 shed there, which is now currently my front lawn, like, as we speak here today, like the bottle shed is 30, 
feet away from me where we sell beer. And um, we did that like uh, literally until three weeks ago when we were, or four weeks ago when we just got to reopen here. Uh, we had just built a greenhouse um, in December. So it's like a 3000 greenhouse. And now that's where we do all of our like sales and tap room. It's only like, you know, again, like 30 feet away from the, the bottle shed, but it, um, it's a lot better. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. We also have the bus that we used to sell beer in. There's a lot of phases of this brewery. Um, and they all lasted for, you know, an amount of time until we outgrew them. But there was a time where we had a tap room that was a bus. And that's all we had. That was the whole tap room. We had like 30, 40 people in a bus. <laughs> that's kind of cool, though. Like a school bus? Oh, that, was that was very cool. I remember seeing that, like, seeing that on Instagram and, like, and just kind of thinking, like, for a farm tap room, like, that's, like, that's pretty creative. I like that. <laughs> was it like a... Oh, man, it was, it was amazing. It was like, a, like, a, like an old school school bus, like the yellow things? Uh, no, it's an old church bus. So it's like this old like church bus from, I don't know, some parish or church or whatever in um, Windsor okay. uh, called the, what is it? Parklands Gospel Temple. Yeah, that's our greenhouse. Okay, that's the greenhouse here, which is crazy. Although you meant like you built a greenhouse yeah. to like yeah. actually like... Grow things in? Grow things in because that's fascinating. We plan on doing that too. Yeah, okay. so you'll be able to sit. We just also got a food truck uh to no last week was our first week using it so like a week ago we got a food truck amazing that's it that's our shed and that's yeah, the original that's, shed that's here. the bottle shed okay that's so it what yeah I, that's what i've seen before okay i hadn't seen the greenhouse yeah. i imagine so before you had the shed it's really new the, it's really new okay and before no, the, you sh had the, the shed was first the shed was first yeah yes totally the yeah. bus though sorry the, the just having the idea of having like a bus as your tap room is like is, I've, I've never heard of anything like that it's the coolest shit ever the what the shed obviously was there that's the manufacturing and sales and then they could take the the beer and people could come and sit in a, in a bus and it was i guess fitted out to have tables and stuff yeah so the bus was basically just two long bars like down so like basically yeah, we just tore out all the seats and then there's just two long bars on the whole way of the bus so we were able to sit a good number of people there. And then at the back of the bus, it attached to a cold room. I think, is that the patio? Yeah, so the, the bus is on the, the right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the bus has now been painted and stuff, but it used to look a little jankier. <laughs> uh, if you go far enough back, you'll figure, you'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, we, it, we had just like these two long bars. And then at the back of the bus, we had um, a, uh, like all of our taps that were like connected to the cold room behind it. Okay. Um, and then that's, we poured all the beer in the bus for draft. And then if you want a beer to go, you would go to the shed. Okay. And then you can still sit on the bus to this day. Um, it's just like at this time of year, it's like most people obviously would rather sit in the greenhouse. Like we have like live music and that's where the beer is served. So it's like, you probably want to, and it's like bright and beautiful. It's like, you yeah. want to stay there. Uh, in the summer, the yeah, bus becomes sure. a little bit better because you can like roll down the windows and it's more of like a flowable space between kind of the patio and like the back kind of uh beer garden area i guess what i don't know whatever we want to call that area the, another grass spot <laughs> uh, sometimes we have a mist zone there we, we have lots of options <laughs> this uh, is so cool, before man. we move on it's probably time for the next beer eh? yeah, yeah i guess we're at, we're at 35 i'm just enjoying the fuck out of this 
Um, yes, next is the, remind me. Madam. The Madam. Which well, is a super unique one. I'll uh, wait till uh, Troy gets back. Do you have to go get yours, Nate? Yeah, I do, but I can, I, I can wait till Troy gets back can, so, that, uh, like, so that you can, uh, like, we'll stagger it. <laughs> this is, okay. Yeah, they, like, this one, like, this one, was, like, was insane, eh? Like, they, mm. like, there's so much kind of, um, like, it was saying in the description that it was, an, like, an unusually oily version of, like, of Citra. Um, like, and I think all of those hop oils are making for something, like, really, like, super dank and earthy. Yes. Um, exactly right. This is, it's just, this is glorious. This is like basically the perfect 6.5% New England IPA. This is the shit that all the people who make fun of, who like, you know, call us haze boys, this is fucking why we're haze boys. Don't they? That's what I like to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad it, uh, Impeccable. It hits you. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to mention to you though as well, bro. The, um, so last, you met, you mentioned about the stuff, the, the inconsistencies last summer. Um, I was going yep. to ask you about it because I was with Derek from Brewski, I think in about August or September, and he was sure. like, man, I'm just like, I'm going through this shit and I can't get, something is wrong with my haze. And he's like, this is a collab we did with Badlands. Try this. He's like, I hate it. Try this. He's like, you pulled me something yeah. else. He's like, try this. I was like, I don't know what the fuck's wrong. Because I spoke with Troy and he's like, Badlands went through the same thing. So I was, because I got that batch. I did find them inconsistent compared to what I had in the past. Not, not sure. like shit by any means. Like, but no, no, just not what you expect. Yeah, I, I could say that would be fair. And I did not know this at the time when I had the beer. So this was like two so months later. And then Derek was telling me, he's like, oh yeah, Troy gave me a bunch of ideas because he said they went and they, and he, and he had to go through like a, oh yeah, show, show everybody what we're drinking, like a whole <laughs> process to, to figure it out. And I thought that was uh, fascinating because because you sort of had this random thing of uh, just needing to fix it. I think it's like good that breweries can just be like, you own it, you're like, yeah, something's going on. I don't know what the fuck it is. And here we go. And we figure it out and we fix it and we make it better and, and boom, here we are. Yeah, totally. I mean, it doesn't help anyone just like pretending um, especially when, like, if you, it's one thing if you just like like a beer and other people don't, and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it, that's fine. It's another when you have a beer and you're like, this just isn't as good as I know it sh should be. Yeah. Um, and then there's just no point, especially when like with your regulars and stuff. It's like they know they drink your beer every week, and if they're if they're also in agreement, it's like figure you should just figure it out and be honest and. We were, we were honest even before we started releasing on that new system is like, please be patient. I promise we'll figure it out. But like these beers will not be what you expect from us for a while. Like, I don't know how long I can't promise you. All I know is like, we're going to work away at it and our beers are going to get better every week. And you know, the same way we did at the beginning when we were a one barrel brewery for the, like the, small number of people that were still with us to this day because it just couldn't be that many people. But um, the same way that back then we were just like always working to improve get better. Um, that's going to happen here. Um, things don't scale linearly and they didn't for us at all. Uh, we had to really work to make those beers work the way we wanted. Our yeast was behaving differently. Also for those who don't know, we have our own house yeast um, huh. it, it started out life as uh, foggy London, but we're on generation like 91 or something. Um, and it's just been living in our beer for two and a half years. It's the exact same yeast we've been using in our small system. 
we serial repitch and we've been using this yeast for a really, really long time. It, 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 it's great. It behaves really well for us, but um, yeah, it changed tank geometry. It had different hydrostatic pressure. Uh, we had to tweak our pitching rates. We had to treat, uh, change our like feeding, basically the amount of like nutrient we gave it uh, needed a little bit more oxygen. Uh, but anyways, now it's, now it's behaving really nice for us. But I mean, in the last like 40 minutes here, I've, I've told you like 17 different things that I was like, oh, we had to fix those. And it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, it takes so long to just like be like, oh, this like process works. This process works. This process works. Oh, also my yeast is behaving correctly and it's a live organism. And I have to like actually guide it back to being always that way. It doesn't just like, oh, it's working this way now. It's always going to work that way. It's like, nope, it could take four generations for me to flatten it back out. So it's, it's just a lot of things. And um, yeah, I remember when Brucey came up and we, we talked about it and uh, yeah, it's just something that I had dealt with before. And I, I think it worked for him. I kind of forget now, but uh, I think he's, I yeah, think he did. I think he finally figured yeah. it out, but he was well, showing me some old stuff. So he dumped a bunch of yeah. stuff, but he yeah. couldn't dump everything. Cause obviously it wasn't practical and it was, it was buzzing. One time you got to stay in business. <laughs> That's exactly right. And look, people probably wouldn't complain. And like, I didn't think it was as bad as he thought it was, but I understood it wasn't to the same quality that I was used to expecting. For sure. I only related. because so I was like, yeah, I had bad lives before and I felt like it was a little tighter than, than that. But when he explained oh, totally. it, it was like, oh man, it's like, okay, I'm going to, and you got to almost, it's like a, 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 a process of elimination. You're like, All right. So yeah. let's see if it's the water. Let me try and fix the water. Okay, cool. Hopping. Like, he's like, I brew something. It tastes great. And then I put, I dry hop it. It fucking tastes like shit. He's like, what do I do? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I go and put $1,000 in the thing and now it tastes garbage. So he's like, it, it was driving him yeah. nuts trying to figure it out. But I think that you really got totally. him into just, you know, yeah. which, which things to maybe focus on uh, to make it better. And I thought that was just a really cool story of how you can work together and have the same problems uh, at you know breweries that are equally as renowned for the style that you're doing, which means you would you know be potentially using some of the similar techniques and such. Then you know you could guide each other through it. I just thought that was dope, particularly because it's uh, interprovincial as well, which is obviously significantly less common. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, their beer is great, so um, I'm happy that I'm just happy that we get to be able to even be friends and collaborate with people like them because we learn any collaboration tons but you know we've learned lots from brewski you know whether we've employed stuff in our process or not or whatever from them i honestly can't say for sure but even just bouncing ideas off people that you know are knowledgeable making really nice beer uh is intrinsically going to make everyone's beer better if you're just able to like free form conversate about like i have this idea and then you're like, I don't know. I think that's a bad idea. It's like, all right, that might mean it's a great idea. Let's try it. And then, or maybe they're like, no, I, or they're like, no, I've tried that. It's horrible. Like, don't waste your time. And you're like, all right, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's good to be able to lean on each other's expertise for that, though. Yeah, totally. No all right, shall we, uh, shall we talk about this beer? Yeah, man. So yeah. this is completely different, as you said, uh, to the last one. Tell us about this one, bro. This is actually quite timely uh, from what I can tell here, looking at the description. It is, yeah. So every year we release a beer for International Women's Day. Uh, it's brewed by my wife and business partner, uh, Grace. Um, so she, well, sorry, this year she didn't brew it. She's 32 weeks pregnant. Like she's not going to be scraping out mash tons or anything like that. <laughs> Typically she does. But this year she just did the design, 
Um, and then the label is designed by my sister-in-law. So uh, she does it every year as well. This is our third year doing it. And then as per tradition, we also use the Pink Boots blend. And that's the only hop we use and we dry hop with it. So ultimately, you know, the recipe is up to Grace. Um, she likes lavender. So two out of the three years now, there's been lavender in it. Our first year, it was lavender and elderflower. Uh, the second year was just vanilla. And then this year is uh, lavender and orange. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I think this beer probably is my favorite version so far. Um, it turned out nice. I mean, we learned a lot from using lavender last time. This time we dialed it back a little bit and it's there in the front, but then disappears kind of into like hoppy orange zest at the end, um, which is pretty much the amount of lavender I would like. <laughs> um, and it's just more there as like a secondary note, which is nice. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way that this beer turned out. Uh, Grace has only tasted it, obviously, being that she's pregnant, she's not gonna be crushing pints of 600% IPA, but we do have some saved because the baby is due not that long from now. <laughs> so then she can get into it. Well, I love the concept. That's right. Boys, get in you. Wicked Cheers. nose. Yeah, the, the, the lavender is definitely coming through super strong on the nose. Totally. And like it's, it hits you early, like front of palate too. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it definitely does. So it's the, main, the, the, the first thing, like I said, the front of palate is the lavender. And then it kind of moves into a... I guess the orange comes through because I'm getting like straight orange and lavender on the nose. So it's super yep. like right there. So just this is like... I, am I, is it dankness? Am I getting like a, a dankness from it? Yeah. I mean, the, honestly, if you look at, so if you look at the can, like there's a nice mix of hops in there that yeah. not all of them are dank, but they're pretty dank. Uh, yeah. But the blend is actually a pretty cool blend. Like when I opened the bag, like it smelled awesome. So, yeah. uh, but it, it definitely has some dankness to it. I'll be honest. Most of our beers have some amount of dankness to it, whether that's, yeah. you know, the way we dry hop, the way we, uh, you know, whirlpool, the way our yeast behaves. It's honestly hard to say, um, but almost all of our beers have some layer of dank to it almost at all levels, regardless of what we do. That's one of those like unexplained things that I'm like, it's probably a process thing that I like. Um, I can't say for sure, but uh, yeah, but all of them have a layer of it. I, I personally know that I do like some dank. Um, I don't necessarily love like, candy sweet beers um almost all like both of these beers for example like all of our beers are a little bit drier than most in the style these days um yep. i just i also i just don't really like sweet beer generally they don't necessarily present that way but um but yeah i don't know i just don't really like sugar i guess a ton <laughs> i'd rather like trick your palate into feeling like it's perceptively sweet rather than mm. actually being sweet yeah, I think that's the better way to go. Uh, like to go with this style, um, and it, like it's one of those things that when uh, like when thick haze is kind of done half-assed, it uh, like like it definitely comes off with a lot of heavy residual sweetness. So it's uh, like I think that like I think that plays well that you're uh, like that you're aiming for something uh, like a bit drier on that uh, on that front, and. I also think it's definitely true that uh, like there, there's some dank coming through in all of your beers. I feel like that has to be a process, uh, like a process thing, because even uh, like even coming off of um, v like pretty varying 
pop blends and they've kind of like and they're kind of all producing that similar uh, like, like that similar aspect to their uh, like to, to the hop profile even amongst like a pretty variable uh the, the, like range of hop flavors if they all uh, they, like turn out a little bit of dank there's something in your process that's putting that out and i'm a big fa- like i'm a big fan of that as well um the dank, like the dank profile, like as you're saying, it can sometimes come out like a bit overly sweet, especially if it also has like that resinous component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the, like the thing that I like, if it like, is if it almost has the dankness to the point that it has like a bit of a weed smoke note to it. That like, mm-hmm. like, like that's what I like when I'm like when I'm tasting dank, and uh, sure. like, and I definitely do get that Pr- pretty subtle, but uh, like, but but it's definitely there. Yeah, and we'll see later on when we move on to some other beers. Um, March Dippa is like specifically to scratch my dank itch. Um, it's literally like the dank hops. It's it's great. I love it. But it's got you know like Enigma's dank Nelson. It's pretty dank. Yep. Aussie hops pretty yep. dank. Liverpool with Columbus pretty dank. And the beer perceives like it's presented pretty dank, but. Um, I love it. <laughs> so, so that's why we made that one. I was just, you know, nice. in the mood Looking for that. that. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll definitely uh, probably that one should be probably the last one because it as a flavor profile is pretty explosive. So right. we'll keep that one last. Yep. <laughs> I think it's dope when like, I feel like New England IPAs aren't typically dank across the board. So it is really nice to sort of have that kind of change. Not that they're all sweet, but um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like dank isn't as common as perhaps it, it could be. No, I totally agree. I mean, we are like a- after having brewed with a lot of different people, um, we are anomalies without a doubt in okay. the way that we make beer uh, or a hazy IPA. Um, like I said, I'm a home brewer. Like I didn't come from anything. Like these processes were developed by trial and error, following my palate, and we definitely landed in different areas. Like I said, with our yeast, it's like, I just like repitching yeast endlessly. Like I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy having this like basically partner in the brewery that, you know, I can kind of like move into whatever direction I want. And part of the reason I started doing that was because I was like, yeah, that's what farmhouse breweries do. We're a farmhouse brewery. We should do that. And, you know, I'm, that definitely changes the way our beers just tastes, period. Because we have a totally different house character than uh, is really possible unless you have our yeast, uh, and then we also dry hop like you know a lot of people dry hop a little well almost everyone dry hops warmer than us like we dry hop really cold and really short it's like two days at you know fifty five like really really cold hmm. um, we've gone as low as like basically like forty six Fahrenheit like you know almost loggering temps. Um, not that's a little too cold for me to be frank, but uh, but like stuff like that where it's you know these are not typical processes, and um, I don't know what about you know our entire package makes it work for us, but um, certainly other breweries have tried it that we're like friends with and stuff, and the results have not been great for them. So uh, maybe it's just part of I don't know the package for us that I like that character or that, you know, something else we do earlier in the process works or it's our house yeast just, you know, works better with that uh, particular profile. It's really hard to say why we got to where we got, but 
Um, ultimately, you know, th there's always been like one thing driving um, the way that we make beer. And it's, I've just wanted to make sure that we make beer that is Badlands beer, mm. you know, that is irreclable. Like it, you, you can't make it elsewhere. Uh, we want to make sure that like Badlands beer tastes like Badlands beer and will always taste like Badlands beer. There's definitely some, you know, other beers that like, if you're, you're like, oh, I want to have an IPA, like there's other beers that'll scratch that itch, no question. But um, if you want to have a Badlands beer, it's like you pretty much have to have a Badlands beer if you really truly want to scratch that itch. Mm. Um, and if you know, we have our way with our future and the way that we're hoping to continue. Um, I don't know. I always call it like expanding laterally, where we're just kind of like trying to build out more control over every piece of the process. Um, literally from grain to glass, um, then ultimately we will definitely have something that just like can't be made anywhere else. And that's really all we're trying to do is make the best possible products we can with these weird restrictions that we like to impose on ourselves. Um, and yeah, ultimately that's all you are, right? You're just a random set of restrictions that you put on yourself. And like I said, one of them for me was, I was like, I'm just going to pitch the yeast endlessly. And as long as it tastes good, I'm going to keep doing it. And it's been great for me. So it's one of those things. And then another one's like, I like dry beer. We're going to make dry IPA. Like, we're like drier IPA. It's not that dry. It's like 3.7 Play-Doh or whatever. Or like, But for me, I'm like, I, just, I don't really want to make sweet beer. Periodically, like three or four times a year, we'll still do it. I'll be like, all right, this is kind of like where the style's at. Here's the sweetness. And it just doesn't work for me. Um, I always like it less, mm -hmm. but I always have to remind yeah. myself. So that's what Dora's for. <laughs> Yo, honestly, gotcha. bro, the the what you just said about the the house yeast and having the, the, the shit is genius, man. Like, if you want a hazy IPA, uh, then you can kind of grab anything. But if you want a bad, if you want that Badlands and you want to scratch that itch, you have to have a Badlands beer, and that is one way to make sure that you have this sort of established place because once people try you should be like, oh, I need that. You can have a bunch of different stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's all great, but it's, it's not this. And that is, in a, you know I mean? In, I guess in one of the most, um, would you say it's the most saturated because it's the most popular? The style, the field or whatever? Yeah, I don't think there's any question at this point that IPA is hands down the most saturated market in beer period. Um, yeah, like, because I mean, the reason like Hazy IPA, I think probably was able to become what it is, is because it's best consumed fresh. Mm. And, you know, craft brewers obviously are fresh. You have it at your local mart, like local brewery or whatever. Once you start sending it out to warm shelves and stuff, like it just doesn't hold up. Um, no matter how good your packaging is, like it just isn't, it isn't the same. No matter how much everyone wants to try and convince you otherwise, it just isn't. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason that it was able to, kind of blow up the way it is, is it's best consumed fresh at the source. Um, and that led to just a lot of, um, I think breweries being able to make it fresh at the source. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't, I, like, I wouldn't say that this was like a master plan also, full disclosure. Uh, this was just one of those things where I was like, this is something I find cool. I'm going to do it. Um, and it's, I think it's turned into something that's been, um, probably a benefit for us. Mm. Uh, the flip side is if you don't like this house character, we're probably not going to convert you to it ever. <laughs> so uh, it has, it has its pros and cons. That's a good um, but yeah. But, but, but ultimately, um, like I said, what we are trying to do is not 
replicate anything. Like we are very much trying to make a unique product and it falls under the category of like hazy IPA. Um, but I'll be honest, like we don't even call our beers hazy IPA. We just call them IPA. Like okay. hazy IPA didn't even exist when we started making IPA. Like, yes, they did exist as like a style, but like didn't have a name. Uh, New England IPA wasn't really a thing yet either. Um, a lot of our processes are still like not that far off from West Coast processes. We still do a lot of kettle hopping. Like we still have a bittering charge because I, I like it. Um, I think it provides like a nice backbone, provides drinkability. Mm-hmm. I think it also provides quite a lot of shelf life to your beer because you now have a little bit of isomerized alpha acid in there that it holds up great. Like our beers, I think, I wish I had sent you some older beer, honestly. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I think our beers hold up really good. Um, I just drank a two-month-old beer of ours uh, last night, and um, it tasted great still. And that's that's really what we're trying to do. I mean, that's as awesome. long as it's stored correctly. Um, but part of it too is it, it's just like it's unique, but it holds up well because of a lot of the focus we've put into certain hot side and cold side processes, limiting oxygen, all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, like I said, what we're trying to do is make a unique product. Um, it's the most crowded category, like you said. Uh, it wasn't when we opened. That was actually, again, full disclosure. The reason we opened is no one was making like hazy IPA. I don't know if I would have necessarily opened a brewery if I could have just gone to anywhere and gotten a hazy IPA that I wanted. But mm. you know, in 2015 in Ontario, it's like you could not buy hazy IPA. Like it wasn't an option. So I was like, fuck it, I'll yep. just do it myself. And, that was and then even when we opened in 2017, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah, it was hard. And even in 2017, like Hazy IPA still, like when we opened, like we were not even able to sell on site at first and uh, we had to sell to restaurants. And selling Hazy IPA north of the 401 in 2017 was a nightmare. Like they were like, what is this shit? Like this is hazy. Like, will it ever not be hazy? Like, is it a wheat beer? I was like, fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, do you like it or not? <laughs> that is kind of yeah. crazy. Cause I think juicing from sawdust only dropped at the end of 20, like the fall of 2016. And that was the first from my, yep. from what I understand as far as like, yeah, definitely will be distributed. Right. And then maybe I think like someone told me the Jutsu from Bellwood stuff was like a nice yep. hazy pale ale and they started doing their thing. A little more in there leading yeah. into it but it was you're right it was it was so difficult to get we i mean we're here in montreal so we're like 45 minutes from the border so we used to have to go to vermont a lot or whatever because even when like you want to talk about behind like quebec was years even a couple of years behind ontario with really adapting sure. to this stuff so um i was going to ask obviously you know this is what you're known for and the reason why i keep referring to them is the hazy ipas i guess it's ipas ipa really like um that's it's okay. You can call them hazy IPA. They are, okay. are visibly hazy. They're very hazy. Right. <laughs> and, and they have the flavor, flavor profile. There is a distinct difference between totally. a West Coast IPA and, yeah. and such like that. I was going to just yeah. touch on like, uh, obviously you explained why you did it. You know, you, you, know, you wanted to drink what Hill was doing and, and so on and so forth. And, and you were correct that it was not happening here. So you're like, you know, let, let me take care of that. Um, obviously, the, when we were talking on, on email, you mentioned that, you know, you guys don't just do haze obviously you know that's probably how you started and then you sort of dabbled in other styles like maybe just talk us through kind of the you know the the, the style progression from you guys and where it started to sort of where you're at now yeah sure i mean so we started um 
the brewery basically founded on like three core styles. Okay. Basically, it was going to be IPA, mm-hmm. mixed fermentation, and lager. And mixed fermentation is like, you know, roughly speaking, just like, I don't want to call them sours necessarily because they don't have to be sour. They can be tart. It's just like, you know, a mix of like multiple yeasts and bacteria to make beer. Uh, and then there's like a fourth subcategory that I was like, yeah, specialty beers. Like it'll never be a volume driver for us, but you know, I love all beer styles, like legitimately all of them. And uh, I wanted to be able to make all of them. Right. The truth is um, early on, I, I literally made all of those styles uh, and just no one gave a fuck. Like it's <laughs> simple as that. <laughs> like, <laughs> the only thing that people cared about was our hazies. And like, right. that was cool. Like I, I literally love the style. Like I really, really do. I, like I said, I started as a home brewer. So like I drink my own beer and I enjoy it like that. I made it for me first. I still make it for me first. Our beer is tweaked to my palate, not to consumer sentiment though. If someone hates something, I will not make it again. If it's like just like ripped apart, it's like, yeah, we're not going to make that again then. But ultimately all of these beers, uh, you know, are basically like live or die on whether I like it or don't like it. Sometimes I'm a little bit bullish on stuff and I'm like, no, we're going to keep making this until people like it. Uh, and other times it's the other way around. And I'm like, ah, oh, that wasn't my favorite beer. And people are like, I love it. I'm like, all right, cool. But I'll keep making it. Uh, but like basically early on that didn't really work out that way where we were like, we made a pile of lager early on. Hmm. And um, the truth is we just couldn't afford the tank space. We couldn't uh, really sell it for the price point we required at a one barrel scale. Um, we were making that's like, a, I'm, I'm that's sort a, of like that's a, a big, really tricky, that's a really tricky thing for a small operation that, that they like to like to oh, devote yeah. space to lagering. <laughs> Oh, it's totally challenging, man. I mean, we just started brewing lager like, I don't know, a few months ago, basically, because even in the new brewery, I only bought enough tanks to brew IPA. Like we didn't have enough money to just like get as many tanks as I needed. So then, you know, after we got like the brewery working properly, it was like, okay, we're upgrading. And like, I'm buying two tanks for lager, like nothing else will enter them. Like I literally think of them in my mind in there. I'm like, those are lager tanks. That's it. Nothing else is allowed to enter them. So now we always have lager. Except not to send to you because we're out of cans. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we just got this <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But yeah, we'll get it next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it to you. Don't worry. I promise. They're only going to get better as well. We're only on like our third, our third big system lager. So again, we're still dialing it in. It is going way faster than IPA because we've brewed a lot of IPA and I've learned a lot. So that helps. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Even on the small system, like we were brewing, like I was doing a lot of like Saison-ish inspired stuff. And uh, yeah, we basically just like, I don't want to say couldn't sell it, but definitely couldn't sell it at a pace that made it worth um, basically taking up the tank space for, particularly when we were making IPA and people were, you know, like getting mad at us essentially for not having enough of it. Uh, and when I mean, essentially, it's like, no, they were literally getting mad at us and being like dicks. So I was like, all right, wow. maybe we'll just like actually just, you know, make more IPA. So that's pretty much what we started doing is we started um, focusing more and more on IPA. And like I said, we were always planning on being like in my original, like, how much beer are we going to make? It was like, I'd like to make about like 80% of our total production IPA. Like that was my goal. Okay. 
we're like 95, which is fine, but like <laughs> a little higher than I anticipated. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we just started making clear, Yeah. That, that, that paints a pretty clear picture of how much the, the, like the consumer space really does demand that once they, like once they get a taste for uh, like, for, like, like for real quality haze, like, like they, like they want it and they like, and they're insatiable for it. Right. <laughs> it dicks to you about it. That's fucking hilarious. I mean, it's not, oh, funny, dude, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's funny in hindsight, but because like we don't run out of beer anymore, which is right. literally, that was the goal. I was like, you know, when COVID hit, like, Life sucks for everyone, but like we got an extra layer of suck that like people like imposed on us because they couldn't buy your beer anymore. And I'm like, yo, I get it. Life is hard. Please don't make mine harder. <laughs> like, like I know yeah, I don't have don't the beer it. that you want. <laughs> like, damn. But yeah, right. I mean, it was challenging. It was challenging. People were like, I'm not even lying, calling us like horrible people and like many harsher words than that. But like sending us emails, Come taking times out of their. I honestly couldn't believe uh, the level of like vitriol people were willing to send our way for not having beer. I was like, what is this? Like, you know that we're small. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Uh, but yeah, we, we literally at one point, you could probably go back and find it. I don't remember when it was. Probably 20, it would have been 2020, I guess. Okay. We had to put out a post being like, yo, we please people be patient with us. I promise we're planning on scaling up. Like, we don't have enough beer for you, but, like, we cannot continue to deal with the level of hate you're sending our way in private messages yeah. for not having beer. Like, we're just asking for some patience here. Was, uh, this one. This post. That one? Out. All right. There you go. Yeah. Like, it was, it was honestly, like, we would, like, we would release beer on Friday night for sale. So it was, like, 7 p.m. And, like, I'm not even joking. I would finish uh, – bottling the beer and it would be like 6 30 6 45 p.m and i'd be like Duh, the last cap is on we have the counts put it up one minute later all the beer is gone and people are just like freaking out on us and it's like it got to the point where like enough weeks like went by like two or three of them where that would happen and like we would start to just get like anxiety like we'd be like sitting at the table like put the counts up we're like Everyone's just like, you could feel like the tension. Everyone's nervous. And then we'd be on our phones and like computers, like till 10, 11 o'clock at night, just explaining to people why there's no beer. And I'm like, we have to stop doing this. Like, I'm not like, I just worked for 15 hours packaging beer. Like I don't need to spend another three on my phone telling people why we don't have enough of it for you. Like this is the best I can do. Uh, and yeah. thankfully the most seemed to have made the difference where like we stopped getting as much feedback and we also learned a lot about just like not taking it too personally. Um, it was just like, you know what? Maybe we don't need to answer every single message with this long winded personal whatever. Uh, because sometimes after we like were very honest with people about like how the business works and all this stuff, you know, they were either like definitely drunk or whatever. And they just like, yeah, well, still fuck you. And I was like, well, well that was a good use of my time. <laughs> oh my God. Man. Awful. That's really whack, and I think that is why people shit on the haze people, like because that sort of behavior, that kind of, and I don't like to think that because I don't, I don't see it at all based on the. I don't know if you do, Nate, but based on sort of our, uh, you know, we're adjacent to everything, we don't really see much of that. But I see a lot of the hatred for those people. I'm like, ah, oh, chill, man. Like, you know, haze is lit, but like, I, I, like, I mean, that's not okay. And I understand that people were kind of like 
it was such a weird time in life. We're going to look back on these last few years and we're going to be like, what the fuck did we live through? But I think oh, that like, sure. at that time, there's so much uncertainty. People were scared. Uh, no one knew what was going on. But the last thing anyone should be doing is yelling at a brewery who are working like most of the wake, their waking hours so that you can get drunk and escape the world. Like, I don't know, it's, it's pretty whack to me, particularly like you said, they know you're small. They've probably been there before these people. And yeah, they might be drunk and saying it, but it, it's just not okay. So I'm glad that that uh, turned around for you guys a bit. And I guess later that year, you got the, the new system. You were able to ramp it all up. And Yeah, later on, we were good to go. And we haven't run out of beer since. So that's always been the goal is like, stop running out of beer. We're a brewery. You know, I always use like the pizza comparison. It's like, imagine if you went to a pizza parlor and they had no pizza, you'd be pissed off. <laughs> and it's but, like, you know what? Like, yeah. the same <laughs> I mean, like that's, you, you're actually kind of being too kind, I reckon. I get it. But I think there's also like uh, the humanity behind it. It is beer. We all know we love it. We always go on. When yeah. I say we, the community, we always go on about, you know, small craft beer, family owned, or, you know, a bunch of friends, whatever it yep. might be. Like, it's, you know, what's the point of yelling? You know, what's the thing? You don't catch flies with vinegar. Like, you know, you catch them with honey, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, why are you going to yell at someone because they didn't have it? Yeah, you could be disappointed. I thought going into this, I was like, ah, oh, sick. I'm going to be able to get the beers that are kind of like harder to get. And everything became 10 times harder to get hold of. Sure. And yeah, I get it. It's annoying, but. Yeah, it's it, like, and I mean, there's like, I mean, we could talk for hours about the like about the theories of why, like, of why it gets like that. I mean, one explanation for it is certainly like the FOMO aspect that uh, like that a lot of people get with uh, like with certain releases and whatnot, and when they like when they get into this pattern of. Um, like seeing releases pop up and wanting to get in on each release and when they like and when they see it disappear before like before it comes up like it, it becomes more about the like more about like getting that shot of that beer than it like than it is about the beer itself and mm. that's when i think people forget that there like that there are real people but like behind the like you know behind the at Badlands Brewing Instagram account and uh, like and all these things and uh, like it's like, it's, like it's really unfortunate. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's really unfortunate that it uh, like that it gets to that point that people forget that there's that there's people like you behind uh, like behind this business and mm. uh, and the other side of it too is even uh, like is even the ones who. Like, like who bitch about um, uh, like about the fact that like that haze is so popular and uh, like and breweries that pump uh, like that pump out haze all the time and it's at a certain point it's uh, like it's like you know what like this is what people uh, like this is what people want like this is what they're like this is what they're paying like this is what they're paying for and uh, at a certain point they're actually getting to be like kind of dicks about how, like about how badly they want it <laughs> like at a certain point, uh, like, you know, sometimes you have to sell, like you, like you need to sell what's like what you're successful at selling. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, to be honest, like some of the people that there, there have been some people, like I said, a number of people that were not overly pleasant to us, but some of them are still our customers and we're perfectly pleasant with them. Like, I don't like, it honestly doesn't bother me um, the way it did at the time, because I'm like, we took a, like a minute to like reassess and be like, look, it's not, it's the situation. I'm, I'm going to blame COVID on all of that <laughs> because <laughs> people were tense. 
you know, they, they just wanted like a little piece of joy to enjoy like at home when they couldn't do anything. Um, and like, I'm not going to hold it's any of that again. A hundred percent. And yeah, like I said, like we don't, like, we don't hold anything against anyone. Some of them are still like, like I said, very good customers. Like we don't forget names. Sometimes people forget that we read, like the only people that read it is us. So it's like, you see us in person, we see the emails, like there are no more people. There's no like random, I don't know, intern or whatever that like gets replaced every six months that could just like purge this out of their memory dome. It's like, I remember you, <laughs> but I don't hold you to be cool. It's a shame, but look, I, mean, I don't want to dwell on it, but yeah, like obviously that was a rough time. And unfortunately for this segment of the market, like Nate was saying, and also kind of like what you said as well, Troy, that like I think it's got to do with the FOMO, but also the fact that you said that it was – it's a – got to drink it locally and it doesn't last long. Yes, obviously Badlands stuff you're yeah. saying lasts a couple months old and it's killer still, which is amazing because that's my main stressor in life is making sure I don't let haze get old. It, it kills me because I don't like old uh, old haze. But I mean, still a good a good way to live on haze for sure. Like better safe than sorry. If it's tasting good, don't wait. Don't <laughs> just crush it exactly oh, with all the chances <laughs> exactly yeah. but like yeah i think that all, all plays a part and then on top of that it's become like i've in the last maybe like year and a half or so i got into like sneakers like a particular brand of sneakers and i'm seeing the same shit there as far as you go to these raffles yeah. to win the draw to be able to pay for it and like people get keep taking L's all the time. They get mad and blah, blah, blah. And there's only so much to go around. So I imagine it's the same thing in every subculture. It doesn't matter what the subculture might be. If anything yep. is, is short, is small batch or hard to get and very highly sought after, there's going to be that disappointment and frustration with it, um, which is fine. Yep. I, I know, man, because if you think, if you look at it, flip it around on a positive side, like no one's behaving like this because they didn't get the latest Amber Ale. Like you're in a really good position that, people care about you and your brand that much that they are getting emotional about it. Um, you know, albeit that there was a pandemic that is causing potentially some of that, but still, um, I think that puts your business in a really good position um, as far as just the way that people perceive you and how passionate they are about the things that you've made, which is pretty cool. And, yeah. and lightning in a bottle, like it's, it's not easy to replicate that. No. And I mean, um, the, the fact of the matter is it's like, it, it's obviously better to have it than not. And, um, there's no question it's been important to our business. Uh, there's some downsides at times, no question. Um, but you know, the other thing too, is like scarcity marketing is kind of what I call that. It exists in like every in industry, like you said, like, uh, yeah. sneakers, clothes, whatever. Um, and I am not interested in running a scarcity marketing business, <laughs> which is why, yeah. which is why, like I said, we made sure that we bought a brewery that could make sure that that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. And, um, we, we really do want it to be about the beer. Like you said, it's like sometimes the FOMO starts to take control over the product and we are, we are a product first business. Like that's what we do. Like we make beer we make it as best as we can and I want people to enjoy it. And if you're in it just to like have it and not actually drink it, just to like have it. It's like, that's not great. Like I kind of want you to drink it and enjoy it with friends and yeah. family and stuff. Um, and I want to make sure that we basically brew and we still to this day, like struggle with getting it just right, but we're, we're getting better at it. But basically having 
all of our beers last three weeks for sale on site. That's what I want. Um, if you if you have the ability to come here basically once a month, it's like you can almost get all of our beers most of the time ish. Um, and if you know you miss it one weekend and you come the next, it's like probably you can get last weekend's too. Worst comes to worst, you can have it on draft. Like I want to make sure that like we're not basically brewing just scarce beer. Like that's not that was never our goal. Um, and yeah, so that's why we made a humongously bigger brewery than I ever thought we would ever make. Like it's four times bigger than originally what I was planning. I was like, yeah, we'll go to a five barrel. And it's basically like a, it's almost a 20 barrel brewery now. And I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's better this way. If I need to make more, like it's a lot more. And yeah. It will not be scarce. <laughs> that's all that matters. I really like, I really like that you're conscious of that and, uh, that I, and, and that that's kind of a goal of yours. And, um, like as someone who lives out of town and who like and who orders your beer fairly regularly, I like knowing that uh, like you know if I'm following along on your Instagram and I see what your releases are for the week, I like being like being very confident that when the like that when the Ontario wide shipping opens up on Saturday, that like whatever you announced that was coming out that week is going to be there in the shop when I, like when I log in on Saturday and probably something from the previous week as well. It's uh, like it's a good experience as a consumer uh, that like to be able to know that your product is like is accessible. It's a lot more fun than uh, like than the scarcity market, which some corners of the beer industry have definitely turned into yeah i like to hear that nathan thank you that is literally our goal i'm happy here it's working <laughs> i'm here for it um speaking of uh i'll try to do a segue scarcity no um want to grab the <laughs> the next one i'm gonna get the washroom um all right you want to grab yours first Trey? go for it Please sure yeah my friend i was gonna grab tree crawl you guys cool with that one next hell yes yep. let's do it let's do it and we'll switch out in a sec, Nate, because I'm going to go uh, use the washroom. But uh, I agree that, and I want to talk to Troy, just for telling you now, I want to talk to him about the way that they sell the beer, which I find really interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I, I and I in particular want to talk, like, want to talk about how it used to be sold. I've got, I've got a specific question on that. So we can, maybe I can start with that since that goes further back, and then we can segue into, uh, into where it is now. Okay, beautiful. So, um, Boys, I'm here for you. You ask all the questions. Oh, we've got mate. We got mate. You want to go get your beer, and I'll. I'll like I said I, I'm switch. long-winded, so when you ask one question, it could burn thirty minutes. Oh, you never know. We <laughs> Honestly, I was about to say Good. you're a you're a great guest for that. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> like I like the way that you uh, and I was going to tell you off air, but I like the way that you're you're a fantastic guest because you sort of you project your voice. This is small things, and you you talk with such confidence, and you know the shit, and you can go on for. Like you've got like a nice thing because some people can ramble on and I understand I'm a long-winded person too. Hence, we do these you know, long-ass podcasts. But I like the way that you're approaching all of this. It's actually uh, it's a genuine pleasure. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, even though it's my first time. But it's been no, great. Gonna, so Another thing I was going to say, not even – say again. I said compliments right back at you. Yes, I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, you guys were one of our most uh, recommended and requested – podcast every time i post something about haze oh. like some people are always like oh, you need to have badlands on I said it many 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 times so we finally got nice. together and reached out to you so i'm uh, genuinely stoked yep, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go grab mine do you want to start talking i can sort of hear it from uh from i'll be back in two seconds but do you want to maybe start talking about the beer itself and uh yeah everything that's going on yeah go for it 
Let's do it. All right, so yeah, so so let's talk about tree crawler. So this is so this is another all citra, um, but a like but a different kind of uh, all of all citra than oh, yeah. uh, like than the select citra. So do you want to break that down for us? Yeah, I'm drinking a silver bullet, so I don't have a label. So there you go, you got it. <laughs> uh, so for those who don't know, the bottom of our cans always have some fun thing on it. This one is uh, House Slytherin. So. <laughs> Fun fact, always check the bottom of your cans. There may be funny funny things or things that we maybe thought were funny but aren't so funny. Anyways, um, yeah, so tree crawler is uh, a process, I guess, we basically developed following our first release of the beer Evolver Die. And basically the like overarching theme of like what we developed there was like deep, deep hop saturation. So uh, tree crawler is like our expression of citra is the way that we like to think of it. And essentially it has the equivalent of 12 pounds per barrel of citra, give or take. Um, sometimes it's a little higher. It's never less. It's always a little higher. <laughs> um, but basically we, we uh, now, nowadays there are so many different hop products. This is kind of like, an amalgamation of all of this citra hot product. So basically what we do is we take um, citra incognito and citra cryo, and we use that in the whirlpool. So we'll just blast it in the whirlpool with like a massive amount. Like I'm, it would be like four pounds per barrel, five pounds per barrel of citra in the whirlpool. Um, and it's uh, citra incognito is just like straight up like did like oil and we just pour it in there like not all of it actually gets in solution we put too much in there like none of it always gets in and it's all over the kettle walls and shit but um, <laughs> the idea is just to like blast it as hard as we possibly can and then we throw cryo into the whirlpool as well we're just like yeah get it in there why not can never have too much cryo <laughs> um and then in the tank then we'll then you know do our regular process, you know, ferment our double IPA, and then we'll dry hop it again with uh, all different lots of Citra. So it'll be minimum two different lots of T90, and uh, usually it'll be either one or two different lots as well of the cryo. So we'll just hammer it uh, in the dry hop as well. And the goal is, as with all of our beers, to make it deceptively drinkable. If you dry hop a beer or just like hop the shit out of a beer too much. Like it can become really astringent and unpleasant. Um, and our entire point from that first Evolver die release. And now just with all these other ones that we kind of use that same process is to make sure that these beers are drinking the way we want them to, which is mm. light, fluffy, soft, um, but just like disturbingly saturated in Citra. <laughs> Yeah, I think it might be there. saturated in citra. I love that's, that. That's <laughs> going to be the episode name, no? Just disturbingly <laughs> <laughs> saturated. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, we have a few others uh, that we make this is way as well. So soft sounds another one. We do the same process with mosaic, and uh, later this year we'll have another release. Um, I'm not going to tell you the name or anything yet, but it's it's going to be a Simcoe version of the same beer. Um, oh, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely that. love this process. I think like it makes um, like without a doubt like a crazy saturated beer. Like it just sits on your tongue, um, but it's not harsh. It's it's 
still full. It's soft, but like the hop oils just like sit on your tongue and like, it's just like fruity, like citrusy, always a little bit of dank in there. And it's just like so saturated. Um, we probably should sell it for more money than we do, but I mean, the market will only bear so much because it costs an outrageous amount of money to make. Yeah, I bet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is different. I had this last year, um, but it wasn't obviously yep. a 2022 version. So it's always like different versions of it. Yeah. So all of our beers have moved as of like January to annualized releases. We're at the point now that we've actually created so many different beer brands that they, it is in basically impossible to release them all more than once in a year. Right. So, so, so I just annualized them. I was like, you know what? These are always friggin' different. Every time we make them, they're all different hop lots. They're all different processes. You know, our malts are changing all the time. And I was like, you know what? Like these are just, they're different beers. It's like, just annualize them. They all just live on like spiritually as like a, you know, uh, I would call it probably like a recipe, a spiritual recipe, like creation thing where you're just like, yeah, like it's the same base recipe, but you know, the malt is a little bit different because it's a different year. The hops are different because it's a different year. Our processes have been updated because we're always tweaking and upgrading them. You know, maybe, you know, we whirlpool a little hot or cold or whatever. That type of thing continues to move. And it's just, it became to a point where I'm like, I think it's just time we communicate to the consumer that, these beer brands are not the same beer right. 12 months later. They just aren't. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's been our yeah. way of doing it. It's just putting straight up. We're like, we did a post in January or whatever that I was like, look, we're moving to annualized beer releases. You're only going to see these beers once a year. If you like it, stock right. up on it, drink it, enjoy it. It's not coming back for minimum 12 more months. Uh in you know within the next year like it could become even more right so um yeah tree crawler is always going to come out every year because like i i fucking love this beer so it's definitely coming out every 12 months <laughs> hell yeah well with that mate get it in ya cheers Ooh, smells oh that's glorious okay i see what you, yeah okay so now we're ramping up you know another point and a half um the dankness, I, you are correct. This one is definitely more on that, uh, the dank side than, um, than some of the other ones. Um, this is great. And is this the same lot as Citra as a Select? Or is this a different? No. So no. only one of the five lots in this are selected. Okay. So every so, so the, just the way that this process works is it would be Basically, we we can't make this beer with selected hops. It would have I would want to call it something different because this is built too much. It's just built with too many different hop products, and it's really more about just being like, like I said, just like this like citra bomb, right? We just pull from all these different lots, like cryo. We don't select for incognito. We don't select for. So basically, we just sourced those products, and then we also sourced two different lots of T90 hops. So it's just like a, an amalgam of all these different Citra products together um, right. to make like, like I said, the most saturated, like this is Citra. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. So to confirm, cause I think that's when I was in the bathroom, uh, cryo and incognito, it has both of those alongside the T90 talents. Correct. Yeah. Hop. Okay. Beauty. Um, so this, it, it kind of feels like a, I guess a more ramped up version of the select. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's got, like, I guess it would be 
probably like 60% more hops. Like most of our beers have seven-ish pounds per barrel, give or take. Uh, and this is like 12, give or take. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, definitely a ramped up version. And I mean, all of our doubles are like any double, I guess. Like we try and make our doubles drink a little bit like more drinkable than maybe other people may want them to. Whereas we make our single IPAs still drinkable, but we want them to drink like fuller than maybe you would expect a six and a half to drink. Yeah. So we're always trying to make like our lower ABV stuff drink a little bit bigger while staying on the lower end. And we're trying to make our higher ABV stuff drink way more drinkable than it should be. Yeah, this is dangerous. This would be a, this would it's be really a dangerous. Job. Yeah. It's, it's, it's concerning uh, sometimes <laughs> when I drink them, I like have to like really control my pouring amounts. But I mean, the truth is like, there's no time I ever want to struggle through a beer. And uh, yeah, that's just how I feel. <laughs> and you know, I feel you. It's one of those things where you feel it later. You're like, oh, like, why am I so ratchet? Why am I so fucked up? Or the next day you wake up, like, oh, because <laughs> you're not tasting it as you're going. And it's sort of, it's such a pleasure. Because I had that double IPA before I went to bed for some reason. Or two. <laughs> I topped it up with a tippa because I wanted one while I was on my pillow getting ready to sleep. You know the vibes. I know. Ah, sometimes, sometimes you're just in the right zone, and you're like, "I gotta have beers." Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. You know how this happens. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> so, you guys, I imagine you guys have done triple IPAs from uh, time to time. Yeah, so we don't brew a lot of them. Um, generally, another thing that like a lot of people don't maybe know about me that haven't spoken to me much, I'm not like a high ABV guy. Okay, I really am not. I like I'm a volume drinker. Don't be wrong. I literally love like high ABV stuff. But as a, you know, regular consumed like product that enters my home, it's always on the lower end, which is also part of the reason, again, that we make so much six and a half percent IPA. For me, that's a bit of a sweet spot. I'm like, I can have two or three of those if I want in a night and then like, it's all good. Uh, but it's not quite a double. And like, sometimes I'm like, I must have a double, which is why I also like to make them. But like I said, we release about four to one single IPA, what we do, double IPA. Not in terms of brand, but volume-wise. Like, we release way more single IPA than we do double. But I do always like to have doubles come out every three weeks because I'm just like, hey, we can't not have doubles. Like, no. They got to be around. They're delicious. I need them. They are hands down, you know, like my favorite display of hops. Um, I actually, yeah. the reason we don't make that many triples to kind of circle back to your initial question is because I don't find that they display hops as well as doubles. Hmm. Um, I find they become, well, so anytime you up your uh, alcohol percentage, you basically, well, not basically, you do increase your extract medium, right? So ultimately all you're doing is throwing flowers into this alcoholic liquid. And if you make a 10% beverage, it's going to extract, uh, you know, whatever's in those hops either more effectively or extract things that simply would not extract out of an 8% beverage or a 6% beverage and so on. Um, and in addition to that, you're also just going to get more of a, you know, base malt character or more of a fermentation character you're just gonna get like more of a lot of things and for me like eight kind of hits a better zone than triples not that i dislike triples i actually also once again find them really delicious uh, but i typically find them less distinct like mm. 
one of the things that I hope people notice about our beers is that all of them taste different. Like they're, they're just not like a homogenous flavor. Like you can identify hops in our beers and like, that's always been a really big deal for me. And we have made changes in our process to make sure that that's more the case. It's like, if I'm using mosaic, like I want to be mosaic. If I use Simcoe, it has to be Simcoe. If it's Citra, I want it to be Citra. I don't want to be like using whatever like smorgasbord of hops and then being like, yeah, they all just taste like fermentation character. And it's like, that can be delicious. But it's just not how I want my entire lineup to taste. So generally we actually like err on the side of like a more neutral starting base. And then we let the hops do uh, basically as much work as we can through our process. And um, for me, that's just a preferential thing. And when you do it in a triple IPA, even with our process, it doesn't work as good. <laughs> so I just do it less. <laughs> I feel that. I'm, I'm aligned 100%. I'm definitely more of a lower ABV dude. I'm appreciating triples more lately, to be honest. But if I'm having a triple, what, what, how many more beers can I have though? Like, I, you know. That's it. You bring, and you're, I'll you're see three in one. That's what I'm saying. And then you can, you can I don't want to drain anything. I'm try, I always try to avoid that. If you can you know, shell out the money for a triple, like I, I prefer not to. So it's sort of like a, it's, I always find that a struggle to find the time, the right time to have one. And then I end up letting them uh, sit too long. But one good thing is that they do last a little bit longer than the average beer, probably because of the ABV. So they can sort of like hold up two, three months you know, sure. get, I get kept getting pushed to the back of the fridge. Like, oh fuck, I forgot about this. I right, let, let me break it out. I'm like, oh, it's it's good. So it's you know, interesting. They're more of a shareable, you know. They're yeah, yeah absolutely better to like are better to share or like or even still even better if they're being put out in short cans is uh, the, yes. the, like yeah. is my preference. Yes. Um, sure. Like the thing that I've the thing that I've found with triple IPAs is that like, and I think. But see, one of the reasons that you're like that you're starting to get into them a bit more is that like I feel like people are finding better ways to brew them. Um, if it like if you look back three or four years, I feel like most triple IPAs like it, like no matter how much hop flavor you were getting, like you were getting out of them, you were always going to get kind of like kind of a boozy mess a lot of the time. Mm. Sure. Um, and it doesn't like, and it doesn't quite have the benefit of the like of a barley wine of having like a, a more substantial malt backbone to like to be able to support that uh, like that level of booziness when it's like like it, like it was sometimes really just tasting like you know you might get a bit of tropical fruit flavor up front but then you're getting nothing but booze burn on the back end like and kind of nothing nothing to balance or like or support it but I feel like. The uh, like people have been finding better ways to make a triple IPA that works a little bit better, something mm. that can have a bit better of a malt body to support it, or even a way to better express um, the hop character, uh, like kind of as you were describing there, Troy. Um, but all of that, like, but all of that said, uh, like I, like, I think that, like you say. A double IPA is really the sweet spot for uh, oh, like for, for expressing hop character for sure. Yeah, it's it's absolutely yeah. Like I just can't see a better a better zone to just be like this is hops. This is these are these hops. Yeah. Enjoy it. Like the body's like right on. 
The alcohol sweetness is right there. Uh, just it seems to just extract like the best out of most hops at the double IPA range, um, if not all. Like damn, like it's it's a nice extraction medium at eight percent for whatever reason. Um, yeah, which is why like we will only release two triple IPAs a year at Christmas and our anniversary. That's it. That's it. <laughs> the only triples we're doing. I love that. I think that's fair. And Nate, you said before about making them in short cans. I couldn't agree more with like higher ABV beers in short cans. I just think that it's something that maybe it's it's picking up a little bit. It's just more like uh, you know you get a even a five hundred like you got what the three thirty the five hundred then like the seven fifty like seven fifty of a ten percent beer which is probably like a stout or something like I don't know. No one really wants that much. It's a, it's a definite sharer, and in the last two years it's been more difficult to share beer, and then. 500 mil, yeah, you could deal with it. But if I had like a 330 of a triple or a pastry stout or something like that, I think I'd be more inclined. And I feel like that would be something that a lot of people would be interested in because you better get through them more. Um, yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah, right. With Most that, from our side, packaging that way is harder. <laughs> oh, well, yes. I, I imagine it probably is, particularly, you know, obviously you've got the 473s. So you'd have to have a different. You know, recalibrate the whole thing to be able to package the exactly. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have different cans, and then you also have to have uh, the canning line capable of adjusting. You have to change your labels, which means the cost of labels goes up because if you print them all the same size, even if they're different brands, they give you like basically a discount on them. So every piece of it uh, is a little bit harder and more expensive to do at a different format size. Gotcha. Um, Which is why most people are like. This is the consumer's problem. <laughs> you figure it out. It's not us, bro. We don't have to tell it for as much. Just like you figure it out, all right? <laughs> it's so good. Oh, you're just going to get drunker, I guess. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, with that well, said – yeah, like like uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Seymour. Yeah, like, like as we're talking about uh, like as we're talking about formats here, um, this is kind of a good segue because um, if I because uh, if we look back a couple of years, because uh, I think you guys started canning in 2020, right? Yeah. So when we moved to the big system, we started canning. Was canning? Okay. Right. Right, because I remember before that, uh, like you guys were doing bottles uh, for uh, for everything, and if I go like, and if I go back a good de- like a good few years, um, something interesting with you uh, like with your distro that I remember seeing at the time, th- like thinking this was like it was a little unusual, in, like in the craft scene. Um, and uh, like, and and you you can fill in some of the like some of the spots on this if you were also uh, distroing out of house at the time. But I remember that you had two brands in the beer store. Uh, like, like you had yeah. uh, like distorted reality and uh, like and through the glass that you were selling in bottles in the beer store, which was um, like, like which not a lot of like, like very small outfits like yourself were like were doing at the time. So how did that come about as a uh, as a strategy early on. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not as good a story as I would like it to be. So (laughs) I will tell it though, basically, you know, we, so, uh, you know, even circling back to like how hard it is to open a brewery on a farm, we were able to get our brewery, like the production piece, uh, approved before we were able to get the front of house piece approved. So we were open, like we were brewing June, 2017, we didn't open on site for on site bottle purchases until May 
2019. My goodness. It took wow, okay. almost two years, like 22 months for us to get open on site, which as a one barrel brewery is like shooting yourself in the head. Like it was a tremendous amount of work to sell four kegs per batch. Like it's not cool. Um, so part of our basically short term, well, we hoped it was short term. It turned out to be quite a long term strategy at that point uh, was that if we wanted to make sure people could have take home beer, we had to find a way to get it to them. So there were two options. Bottle shops obviously didn't exist back then because that was the new COVID thing. Uh, so it was either LCBO or the beer store. Uh, LCBO has some advantages. Obviously, there's more of them. More people probably go there for craft than anything. And uh, they are a little bit more expensive uh, like for what they take. Like they take, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head at the time, it was about 30%. Again, as a small brewery, that's like not great. A real kneecap situation. Uh, yeah. The beer store was a little bit more favorable. It was, again, I'm, I'm just kind of doing my best to remember here because this is many years ago now. I want to say it was like they took 20 Exactly. I, I remember it being honestly like noticeably better. Uh, mm. It was about maybe like 20% was the take. And we got to choose, like, it was like your seven, like, closest stores you didn't have to pay to get into. And then they were pretty flexible with us. And they let us choose kind of, like, better stores because we're near Brampton. And honestly, those are not good beer drinking regions. So they let us choose kind of, like, one in Guelph and, like, one in Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, so we were able to basically sell beer to the public. And the people that were reaching out to us being like, look, I just want to take your bottle. So it's like, hey we have a place now it's here mm -hmm. and that was the strategy i was like we just got to do something in the meantime to yeah. make sure people can drink this beer at home if they want it um and generally like it worked well like we didn't i'll, I'll be honest like we didn't sell like a lot of beer through there which is why when we opened on site we dropped that like ah potato like we were done with that we were selling like I don't even know, maybe 500 bottles a month. Like it was not, it was not worth a distribution headache or whatever, but this was purely like a consumer thing where I was like, people want it. Let's just do it. The money is fine. Like we're not going to go out of business doing it. Like we didn't make any money doing it the same way we didn't make any money doing draft. At that point it was like, honestly, it was just like brand building for the first two years. Like we just didn't make any money at all. Uh, until we opened yep. on site and then we made a little money and then COVID hit and then we stopped making money and then we built the new brewery and we started making a little money and now our costs have skyrocketed thanks to everything from COVID to a war in Ukraine and Russia and I don't know if we make money anymore I'm not sure <laughs> like, <laughs> ask me next week when the price of gas goes up another 20 cents and I don't know there's a oh shortage yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, to your point, the reason was we just wanted to give the consumer an option to take the beer home. And uh, that was the the quickest option as well. LCBO is a very, very long, drawn-out process. Like we're talking like yep. six months would be quick. Uh, we got into the beer store in 30 days. It was like, yo, this yeah, yeah. approval process on site is going to take some time. We should do something right now. 
And it was 30 days later, yeah. we had beer in the beer store and it takes three ish weeks to make our beer. Like our typical turnaround times, like 18 to 21 days. So it was like, I made like a phone call and a submission. And then they were like, yep, you're good to go probably at this point. And I just made the beer for it. And like, then by the time it was ready, it was in a store. So that helped us actually like do something. Uh, whereas the LCBO, it's like, it, by the time we had gotten in there, I mean, we thought we were going to be open sooner. So we were like, six months no way what's the point of that uh but anyways it probably wouldn't have hurt to be in the lcbo either considering how long it took uh but yeah whatever it that's why we did it <laughs> no that, that makes, makes that, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense so you were particularly with the like with the amount of time you know yeah but you were able to sell draft you know in that two years from 2017 june 2017 to may 2019 you were able to sell drafts at the the brewery physically right no so how did you sell products in those two years you did it we sold draft to licensees and we sold so it was just a restaurant. Beer store. correct okay so the bottle of the beer no, store was we, 2019 though so in those two years no yeah. so the the beer store was december 2017 that we entered. i'm sorry okay so you did that straight away because you couldn't sell on the place and that took two years in the meantime you could sell yeah. to restaurants so then you would like exactly. how was how that uh, at coming back to what you said earlier about people not necessarily understanding, you know, what the hell this gorgeous, weird, non-see-through beer is in 2017. Like, you know, how was that experience selling to licensees like restaurants and beer bar? I mean, maybe the beer bars got it, but restaurants were weird. Like restaurants that? did not get it. It was pretty bad. We, <laughs> I got really I good imagine. at getting denied. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, ah, this is, this is terrible. And I was like, all right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just move along now. Uh, luckily <laughs> we made a little beer that, um, we didn't need a ton of people to buy it. And to this day, like some of the relationships we made at that point are still to this day, not only still customers, but our best customers. There are no surprise. Well, honestly, almost all, like half of the ones we still have to this day are the ones that we created in 2017 um, that we made relationships at that point. And like, even to this day, like we're not looking to be like a licensee first brewery. Like we're, we're really an onsite experience. That's what we do. Um, COVID really put a big old dagger in that, but we're trying to get back to it. Um, and, you know, the licensees we work with, we work with because we like them and hopefully they like us too. And uh, yeah, like a lot of the ones we still work with to this day are still the same ones we work with for almost five years. And they're lovely people. I consider a lot of them friends. Like it's, it's one of those things early on where I didn't want to work with licensees. I'm like, it's going to be work. And the truth is a lot of them are work, mm -hmm. but the flip side to that is the ones that we got to work with that are excellent are excellent like they are fucking gems and uh i feel privileged to know a lot of these people and we've learned so much from them i hope they've learned you know at least one thing from us and uh it's been great to be able to continue to you know do business with them for this long and i think it's been cool to watch them grow it's been hopefully cool for them to watch us grow and i think a lot of them are still surprised that I show up and I'm like, hey, I'm here to deliver your beer. You're like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're still the guy who's in the beer. 
<laughs> yeah, like, like you haven't hired anyone yet? Like, no, we're still broke. We're working on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's just kind of the way that that it went at that point in time for us. And the reason we went into the beer store in December is we ended up getting like, I don't remember the exact like word we got, but I got like this feeling from the town. I was like, Oh man, they're going to ask us for some shit. That's going to take some time. We're going into winter. We're going to have to build something and we're not going to be able to do that till spring. And then, you know, we're going to build it in spring and it's going to take at least until like fall to fucking finish it. And I was just like, that's like eight months to a year. And I was like, we should probably do something different. And that was basically our different, where it was like, people want this. Let's find a way to get it to them. Um, and that was that was the solution. I love that, man. I love that loyalty over five years or whatever, and that you're able to build that. And I bet now, like, is it does that make them like sort of almost like uh, I was going to use the word exclusive, which isn't really it, but you know what I mean, like it's not, you know, maybe not everyone can get your stuff. So maybe in the beginning before you kind of maybe got the brand recognition and the sort of, I don't want to say the word hype, but you know what I mean? As far as the, yep. exi- the excitement, I guess, from the, uh, you can know, say, Hey, I know it's become a dirty word, but it's okay. You okay. can use it. We can say it. All right. I, I don't like using it too much, but yes. Use the words that you feel are right. Okay. Cause I, like, I don't, I don't see it as a bad one, but I, some, you know, maybe some no. people might not perceive it, you know, cause you know, this type of uh, of product, um, you know, for better or worse, receives a, a lot of hype. It is what it is. So there's going to be probably a lot of places who want your stuff that can't get it, but you've got these loyal uh, licensees that you've been able to, you know, cultivate over, you know, coming up on five years now. Um, is that the case that is maybe like you you sort of would be like people would hit you up, be like, yo, man, can we get a, a few kegs of different stuff? And they'd be like, well, yeah, not really, because you have to make sure you service the people who have been there from time. Is that is there a a loyalty aspect? I guess I'm asking. Yep. No, hundred percent. I mean, we have um, like a core group that we service, and like I literally put it in like our distribution email to like licensee and everything. Like these are like if you're you know you fall into this category, it's like we'll do anything for you. Like I'll. I'll take beers off beers that we typically don't sell to make sure that we get you beer. Like you're our people. Um, we do like still take on new licensees. Like we have a little bit of room left, not a ton, but enough, honestly. Like it's, it's not like we're going to like run out of beer tomorrow or anything like that, but we do have like a internal cap where I'm like, after this, like I got to ask myself some questions because I don't really want to get that big. Like, that's not really my goal. Right. Uh, that's not necessarily the way I want to do business. And we're not that far from that, where it's like, I don't really want to grow that big in that way. Uh, okay. Because that right. creates, it just creates different problems that it's like, look, like, you know, I'm, I make the beer. I'm still the one doing sales. Like, we're, my partner does deliveries in Toronto, but like, I still do a lot of deliveries. Uh, I do the invoicing, bookkeeping, like all this stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm like, do I really want to like hand off some of that? Like, do I want to lose some? Like I've been talking to these people for five years. I'm like, do I want to stop doing that? If we add too many people at some point, I have to do that. And it's like, all right, that also means we have to brew more. It's like, well, then do I hire on the brewing end? Because like I'm a brewer, I like to brew. Like, do I really want to brew so much that I, you know, work myself out of a job? Um, so there, there are some like internal limits to where 
we think uh, we want to allow things to grow to, particularly off-site. On-site, there are no limits. Like if we're just like selling 100,000 liters of beer a day on-site, it's like, great, I guess I better figure it out because like that's amazing. We should definitely cultivate that. But like off-site, it's just not really um, – it's not really what I would like to do. And do have, I'm not going to say what it is on, on here, but we do have a hard cap, honestly, uh, where I really would take some time to reflect on like, what do we want to be as a business? It's like, it's a whole new, um, like, I guess, ethos question where you're just like, I don't know, like if we go beyond this cap, does that change who we are? And I think the answer is yes, which is why I chose that cap. Um, so we're, we're approaching that cap already. We may hit it this year and then that'll be it. And at the moment, at least we're still accepting like anyone who wants to bring us on. Like we're, we're more than happy to give people, uh, like licensees, like a new, like a keg, but Hey, like, let's see how it moves for you. You know, if you want to, you know, represent our brand well, we're, we're always game for like really good, uh, customers basically that want right. to rep us, that want to be, like, we really do think of them as partners where it's like, like typically the people who buy our beer are fans of our beer and that includes restaurants and bars. And we are more than happy to, <laughs> but it's pretty obvious pretty quick whether it's a fit mm. and if not, then we just don't sell there anymore. And we're also like not good at sales. Like I said, like I do a lot of the sales and I'm just like, eh, maybe you should take fewer kegs. I noticed that we came around and you hadn't gone through the last ones yet. So like, like why don't I sell you less this time? Because I want it to be fresh and uh, not every place wants that. Like some, some places are more concerned about just always having beer available from a certain place and always filling a tap. And like, to be honest, our goal is obviously never to have our tap be empty if people give us a permanent tap, but I would also like I'll tell this to anyone who ever asks to buy beer from us, which is why, like I said, we're not great at sales. I would rather your tap run dry than have your tap run old. Mm. Not for me. Yep. I didn't know. Well, like literally, no, like our scheduling at all. In- Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Troy. <laughs> I was going to say, like, literally our schedule for licensees, I'm like, every three weeks, we deliver beer. It's like, you just got to dial in yeah. what you need for three weeks. If you want to be a touch heavy, I'm all game on that. You want to be a safe by a little bit, that's totally cool. But don't, like, play safe every single time. And in some cases, I'm like, look, I'm happy to manage the volume for you based on what I see. If you would like, like, a cold whatever, like, opinion on, like, three's plenty. Two, too few four too many let's do three and then next week we'll do four and then we'll see how that like goes i'm gonna look at your cold room if there's too many then i'll bring you two and like literally it's like if i have three new for the trip like in my van it's a van we don't have a truck it's a it's a caravan and uh if it's like you have too many kegs in your cold room it's like i brought you three then i'll just i'll just put two in there that's cool it's cool okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like i'm happy to no, just I, on the fly yeah, I, I like. I, I think that's really smart, and it's like it's good of you to be that. Like, I mean, you like, like you're saying you're not very good at sales, but I think you're actually very good at sales. Be, like because what that's making me think of is um, when uh, when they had um, 
Mandy and Mark have left field on a few years ago. Um, at, like Mandy was talking about how she manages their uh, like their their LCBO sales, um, and, and like and she was very very particular about um, very. like about how much um, like about how many flats they were like they were taking on at any given time because. She wanted to make sure that their product was uh, like you know was not sitting in their warehouse for too long before it wound up like before it wound up on their shelves and uh, like just kind yeah. of very conscious of their stock management, wanting to make sure that if they've got their product on the shelves that it's cycling through and not uh, like and not just sitting in the warehouse so that people are getting fresh product and that seems like the same kind of mentality to me. So I think you've really got the right idea in terms of making sure that. Um, like, like, you know, when these, uh, like, like these licensees who are your partners in this are selling your product, doing all you can to make sure that the end consumer gets it as fresh as possible in the best condition as possible is, uh, like, is a very good thing to be cognizant of. And it's something that I think is probably too easily overlooked in this industry. No, no kidding. I mean, it's, it's. We could sell more beer if we did overlook it. No question. That's what I mean by bad by sales. It's like I could sell more beer if I just wanted to care less. But I'm just like, ah, yeah. I actually care more than that. Like again, it's like I make the beer. It's like I don't want that. So it's just it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a balancing act. And ultimately, the person I guess I am selling to is the person you identified, the end consumer, even if it is passing through somebody else first. Um, which is why in some cases my, I guess my, my sales technique is self-selecting where I'm just like, ah, like if you can't keep it fresh, don't worry about it. And they're like, well then get out of here. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just leave them. It's on them. So then how, cause when you're describing that, I think that's super interesting as far as your, your aspirations of how big to be. I know you weren't specific in about the numbers and we don't need the numbers, but like, were you 2000 hectoliters? Don't worry. <laughs> That's it. Two thousand, we're done. That's it. Um, At two thousand, I'm like, we need to make, we need over. to take a minute and reflect. And just be like, do we really want to do this? So, like, if you think of like an other half who you know started in Brooklyn, they got the Rochester, they opened up in uh, Rockefeller. Like, is that where you want to go? Where you're really like pumping stuff out? Like, you know, I guess that's more of an extreme yeah. version of that. Obviously, that sounds like your worst nightmare, maybe based on what you're doing. So I was curious if you could maybe, I don't know, where, where do you see this sort of like going as far as like the, you know, do you want to take it as far as demand will go or you want to you know, always keep it under that or what's the vibe? I mean, it's a multifaceted question that is hard to answer. But I mean, the one thing I can say is, um, we're like halfway to as big as I ever thought we would get ever. So, okay. you know, if we get too much, like, uh, that's what I mean. Like, so we're about a thousand hectoliters ish production wise last year, this year we'll probably do a little bit more than that. How much? I don't know. It's only March. We were shut down for January. It wasn't a good month. Uh, so how big we get this year is hard to say, but like, I don't think, you know, 2000 hectoliters is too far away. And like, that's what I, like, I know I am capable of doing uh, because like I brew the beer, I sell the beer. My partner's been doing the packaging, but like, ultimately it's like, I can't produce too much more beer than that without going back into um, a work cycle that I 
no, I can't manage because I just, I do too many other things. Um, so that's where it becomes a little bit complicated. It's like, well then do we want to change the business? Okay. And the answer is no, unless it's on site. So if we're like, we're only open five hours a week, right? Like on site. So if we're, we're selling beer on site 12 to five Saturdays, that's it. We do have pickup hours Friday, 12 to five. That's new. So that's something that's pretty cool. Uh, we've doubled our hours in the last like three weeks or whatever, which uh, took a while to get there, but we've done it. And if we add more hours, which at some point we'd like to, but you know, ultimately the brewery like on site op like experience is still my front lawn. So I don't want people here too often. Uh, but <laughs> privacy is cool. Privacy is cool, man. <laughs> so it's a five and uh, get Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's like everyone leave, please. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, like we do have aspirations to build out like a fully fledged kitchen, a fully fledged like on-site experience. That's you know, uh, like I love what we have right now, and if this is all we have for the next like two, three years, like I'll be really, really happy with that. But uh, for us to like fully move on to like what we want, we have to unfortunately build another structure and um i'm kind of getting tired of building structures we're three structures in like four is a lot i don't know if i want to do any more than four uh, but yeah we, we we do need it and that would be probably the way that we actually get to and, and like to be honest like we'll probably do it at some point unless like we just i don't know don't have the money to do it or whatever. And we don't right now, but I expect somehow we will. We've, we've made it happen every time so far, <laughs> uh, but we, we do need to build another one. And if we do that, then we'll open more hours. We'll have a fully fledged like food program. Um, at some point we do intend to start doing, you know, like a little bit more stuff. Right. So like we have a new building going up, like I was uh, alluding to earlier. Uh, so we'll be making mostly barrel aged stuff in there. So it'll be, you know, barrel aged stouts, some barley wine. There's going to be a lot of mixed fermentation stuff going on in there. We're also going to have uh, like basically fruit and wine production in there as well. Love it. So it's just going to be like a mixed fermentation uh, thing. And uh, that, that'll kind of like offload like our production, I guess, like bottlenecks of our current space. And then after that, we just have to take a look at like what the front of house looks like and then decide. And then depending on what we decide there, you know, if we decide to open more hours, we're going to need more beer. And if we open more hours, I would expect we basically hit that ceiling where we're like, we're getting close to, you know, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2000 ish hectoliters of beer whenever we do execute that other plan. And at that point, it's like, do we brew more or are we just content with that? And uh, I don't have the answer for you yet, but um, yeah, like I said, I don't, unless we are selling more on site, the answer's gonna be no. <laughs> like, I have other goals, I have other aspirations in mind. Um, I love brewing. I don't want to spend all my time brewing. Um, part of the, you know, to circle back even to a little bit what we were talking to before about making unique beer. You know, I spend a lot of time on um, other agricultural stuff. Like we are a farm. So, um, you know, I've been 
hoping to be able to start growing some barley here. We're working on, you know, malting barley, growing hops, things of that oh, nature. Cool. We do have cows for sure. And like we do have cows on site. So we now are currently a burger stand with our kitchen. We're hoping to expand oh. the food program soon, but we want to put those cows through our basically our, our own kitchen. Um, you know, our own basically grass fed, grass finished beef that were also been basically hot feed from our barley um, leftovers that we feed to them. We already do it. So it's really just part of the process. And, um, you know, ultimately, I'd love to be able to open our own malting facility to malt all of our own grains and grow all of our own grains, malt all of our own grains. We'll never be able to do all of our own, you know, hops. That's just not ever going to be a thing. But what I'd love to be able to do is grow some amount and use them for you know specifically like estate ales and stuff stuff like that and um if we grow too big those will never happen i see what you mean so it's like you have to grow in tandem with that like it's like you set that up and then the income that comes from like you know selling barley and selling hops and blah blah blah. obviously you use some yourself you sell some off selling the kit mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. so like all of that can kind of come together so it's almost like you're growing sort of like incrementally rather than and making sure those foundations yeah. are there rather than growing ridiculous yeah. and then you're like oh well fuck now i have to maintain this beast that i've created and i can't exactly. service these other interests i completely understand that yeah That's it's a it's a it's a complicated uh formula to even figure out where to put your time effort and resources and sometimes it feels like we're putting them in places that aren't going to make us money and that's undeniably true where we're like we're focused on things that don't make money right now um maybe they will later at worst i hope they don't cost money that's it and yeah as long as we're achieving the goal like basically the ones that i just set out it's like i don't really care there's other ways of making money. We're, we're making money in some areas. As long as we're feeding in to the money-making piece without costing us money, but at least breaking even, um, then to me, that's worth it. But the problem is uh, about growing too big is if we grow too much bigger, it just means like there's training, there's staff, there's people involved. And then my attention to these other things is never going to be there. And it's always re- important to remember it's like, I also have a wife and a kid, a second kid on the way. And like, I also spend time with them. (laughs) I didn't used to because I didn't have kids, but like, I do need some time off periodically. And, um, you know, they're deserving of my attention too. And they haven't really had as much as they should of my time. And we grow too big. There will come a day where, uh, you know, like today we're still too busy. I'm not happy with the amount of time I spend with my family. I think it should be more. And I think like we'll get there soon where I can spend more time with my, you know, family. But uh, if we were to grow too big too fast, it's like that just won't happen. And then all of a sudden my kid will be like 10 or something. And I'll be like, hey, that's cool. (laughs) It's like, that's not cool, man. I feel like that's like the best yeah. description I've heard of the, I feel like some people just kind of don't want to grow for the sake of not growing. They're like, I never had that intention, but I've like, that is like very intentional sort of growth. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it like yeah. that before. Um, yeah, that's true. I really love that, man. I respect it a lot too. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do man. that makes sense for you in your life. Like I said, my girlfriend, my partner and I have a business and, 
we're trying to scale our stuff and we're building out our team with employees and stuff. And you're like, well, how do we spend time doing stuff and working on the business and not in the business, which is what you're talking about. And that's yeah. the challenge all the time because you could be like, well, I could be just spinning the wheels and just, like you said, just for you, it's just brewing and brewing and brewing and brewing. But like, yep. where does that take you at the end of the day? And I think that's what everybody deserves. The You built the freedom. You paid for your own freedom to do this. And now you got to like, it's a, it's a different trap. It's like the, you know, that's right. you know what I mean? You got to like figure it out. And I think it's the one thing that people maybe don't really think about or appreciate in beer because no one looks at it as a capitalistic enterprise. They look at it as this artistic thing with this beautiful fucking liquid that like we all love and we all here for. But there is these other considerations that do have to be very seriously taken in. And maybe from people hearing this might be like, oh man, like they're not gonna, yeah, but like, you know, it's not gonna change from where it's at now is what you're saying. You're about 50% of where you think you can get. So that's a lot more growth from what people can expect and then if you get these other I mean it depends <laughs> it depends right like I said we're we're not chasing the growth and we're not I'm not like I said I'm not good at sales I don't sell the beer that well it's more about what like I'm talking like 50% like total volume like licensees like it's much less than that uh, but <laughs> Uh, yeah. well, like I mean, we're we're, we're not we're not that far there. <laughs> no, I in the summer that. we're basically there. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's a different conversation. And and like I like I said, I, I mean it. Like I've never heard it being put this way before. Yeah, and it's like it's so logical that it's like you can't argue with it. Sometimes, like I've said, some people are more like a bit maybe abstract. Just like yeah, man, I never want to get too big. I want to go slow, and that's like a thing of beer. Yeah. As a I don't know, I, I consider myself a capitalist, and I'm looking at that. I'm like. Are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? It's fucking growing thing, bro. Like, I mean, but, we're all capitalists deep down. Yeah, that's why we're in these societies. <laughs> well, but, whether, but whether we want to be or not. <laughs> and that, and that cap, though, but you have to grow it. Like, it, it, it's like, what's the word? Consciously. You got to consciously grow it yep. to where you need to be. And I haven't, like, I mean, I haven't heard it expressed like that before. And I'm like, even the capitalist in me has no pushback. I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. Just do it cool. that way because you're like, you know, I'm glad to do that. <laughs> because you're like, you could grow this beer out, but you're like, you know what? Let's just keep this chill. And then we've got this, this, and this the cows, the barley, the hops. We're going to grow these motherfuckers over here. We'll get them up and then we can reinvest that into here. And then put, you know, it's this whole like puzzle that maybe people don't, don't see the vision for because they're looking at the glass yeah. at the end of the day that maybe people who, who aren't thinking of it like that. So this is actually quite enlightening for me to hear you say this. I, I really appreciate it. And I can tell Nate's fucking with that too. Like it's, yeah. it's dope, bro. I like it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that we can do that. I mean, we, like I've always said, and then when I mean always said, just to other people that have randomly asked, it's, uh, you know, if we had opened a brewery in a different place at a different time, uh, I don't think I would have the same answer. Like if I, yeah. if I open like an industrial brewery in an industrial park, it's like, yeah, man, like, I guess this is That's a capitalist good. enterprise. grow. But like, literally I live at the brewery. Like it's not like, this is like, we are intrinsically tied to the product period, yeah. the experience, yeah. everything. Like, I'm not joking. When I say my front lawn is the bottle shop and beer garden like that's true my backyard is the brewery my other backyard is the barnyard my like further backyard is where we grow things like i live where everything happens my family lives here 
you know, my wife and partner also lives here. So it's a little bit different of a calculus than I think a lot of other breweries have to make because a lot of them are just opening industrial parks. They don't live where they where brew. Um, and I, yeah. I, I do. And we have to take into consideration, like, what it, what does our lives look like at work slash home? Because it's the same thing. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah, there's not, there's, there's not many people. There's not many people in this scene who are like who when or like when they're closing down the tap room for the day, they're like, "All right, get off my lawn." <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> and literally, I'm like, "Get out of my like." We have to let the cows out to go eat grass. Like, yeah. get out of the parking lot because that's where you're par- parking. It's where the cows eat. Like, get. <laughs> Is that get off get off my lawn? Is like a good episode name. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I like that. I'm, I'm adding a bunch. Adding a, um, yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to hit the next one? Let's do it. Yeah, then. let's, let's do hit it. the dank monster. All right, who wants to go first? Troy, all right, all right, give me you go. one Guess minute. Us. I'm gonna peek. Yeah. I was gonna say you need to pee because I didn't need to do that as well. I drank a lot of water beforehand. Um, yeah, th- this beer is so dangerous, Nate. Fucking hell. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's very it, like it, it's very dangerous. It, it, like it goes down way too easy. <laughs> Man, I am so impressed with all of these beers. Like, these, oh, tell me about it. This is just disgusting. I'm like, and <laughs> I'm just so impressed. I just feel like we've like you know last week with with Willowbold, what would have been two episodes ago for for people listening, and then here and the next week with with Barncat. I just feel like we've like. We're speaking to. We're super fortunate to speak to some of the best of the best at what they do, and and yeah, like you know, it really, it all happened to line up really well that like we hit kind of like that we're hitting kind of three hey! of our like dream checklist. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, like, 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 it, Sorry. like right in this uh, like right in this month here. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. And, uh, like like and all. Uh, all before I'm uh, the, 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 like quote unquote going on uh, like going on leave on parental leave for a little bit, you know. <laughs> well, it's just like I don't know. I feel like I'm like extra grateful to speak to all these people because the the beers are just spectacular with no hint of any exaggeration. Like this, these are just yeah. and I, like I said, like and I'm I'm glad you know Troy even had the humility early on. You know the ones that I had last year. Went to what he usually did, and now this shit is just disgusting. You guys yeah. talking smack? <laughs> uh, disgusting in a positive sense about how just insane oh, these God. beers are. Yeah. Like I'm just, which I'm losing my mind, bro. Like I'm not trying to, like I don't want to gas you up too much. But okay. This shit is just insane. Uh, Nate, you I'm glad go. to hear that. It's really, really. Nate, you grab yours. I'll go. I'll go last. Right. Yeah, it was just like this tree crawler. Like I had said, I had the one last uh, June, whatever, in that order. Um, which yep. I really enjoyed as well, but I feel like this is just and this is cool that it's also the the you know the straight citra beer after the select citra, which is like it's but it's completely different. Yet it's the same you know base hop uh, for everything. So it's um, yeah, it's just really cool to even to see the difference in that and just the body and how dangerous this is for an eight percent beer. Like, ooh, thank God it's ending ten thirty. Yeah. We're getting there, but you know, got another good beer here in front of us. I'm interested to see what you guys think of this one. Um, that's why I love this lineup is that they're all so radically different beers. And yeah. I think you guys find that this is also another radically different beer. Um, 
one of, like I said earlier, like one of my major things is I was like, I want all of our beers to taste different. And mm. this is yeah. four in a row that I'm like, these beers are like, you ain't going to mess yeah. these up and it'll taste it. <laughs> not even close. No, certainly. Um, from the first three, definitely not. I'm going to go grab mine. Do you feel free to crack it, talk about it. I can kind of hear. Go for it. All right, Nathan, hit me. What do you got to ask? <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, do you want you want to break down the hop profile on this one? Um, like, because these are all Southern Hemisphere ones. Uh, uh, like, that's the focus of exactly. this one, right? Yeah. So, uh, Nelson Motueka Enigma Vic Secret, and then I whirlpooled it with. I'd have to look at my notes, but definitely there's Columbus. I want to say Idaho Seven as well. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I chose two other dank ass hops for the whirlpool. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, the, the intent of it is just like this big Southern hemisphere, dry hopped, like dank double IPA. Um, and I don't think there's any question that that's what it tastes like. It's, it's unabashedly. Oh, you're, speaking, you're speaking my language, man. Oh, sweet. sweet. Yeah. It's unabashedly <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you're speaking my language. That's that, that's what I'm about. Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what, uh, like, what the monthly, like, what the monthly Deepa series is about? Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the monthly Double uh, IPA series is, in a lot of ways, kind of the same as like Dora Mingle to us. In that, I just I need options <laughs> to scratch like scratch creative itches and yeah the double ipa series is basically our double ipa like how do i scratch this like creative itch i have about making a beer um right dora is like exploratory in process on like more like back-end ingredients that are like less sexy for a lot of people but like Dora is invaluable. Like cannot stress enough how important Dora has been to our beer production. Mingle purely for hops. For us, the double IPA series is it's just both combined into one for double IPA. Cause we make less of it. I was like, I don't have time for two series. One it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we release one a month and it can go any which way. Um, sometimes I'll take, uh, like our base double IPA, um, you know, same thing where I'm just like, yep, this is a, like a standard recipe that I like a lot. And then we'll just do different hops. Uh, other times we'll do like a radically different, you know, back end process and uh, see what comes out of it. Uh, the, the key to that is. the series is that is never the same. These are true one offs. Uh, it's destined to never be made again. We may take cues from whatever we do here, uh, or like maybe we love the hop blend and we use it, but ultimately, like that exact beer probably isn't going to get made right. ever again. So if you like it, like as okay. always, snack up on it. They're true one-offs. This is just me, like again, being a very selfish brewer and being like, I just want to do some stuff. Uh, hopefully, it works out and you guys enjoy it. Uh, and this one is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all Southern Hemisphere hops. 
I used to love Australian hops lately. They're less my vibe. I'll be honest. The last wow. two years, I think wow. Australian hops. I'm sorry, C, man. Like, you know, <laughs> quality drops. Quality drops. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Think, I'm going to take it. I think, I, think there, I think there is, um, you know, like hopefully a path to redemption there one day. Um, what happened? Like, I, you know what? Like, I, again, I have a lot of like anecdotal, you know, fucking hypotheses that I have zero support for any of them other than, um, you know, you know, they up, they up their, you know, growth acreage regions that they grow in and, you know, hops that tasted a certain way. They just don't taste that way anymore. You know, Vic secret used to be like this pineapple bomb. Now I don't, I don't really know what it is. It could be anything. Galaxy used to be this like passion fruit peach thing used to be an eight team hop. It used to be like citrus galaxy. That was the shit. Mm. Uh, now Galaxy is like a B-team hop for me. I'm like, got to blend it out. It's a great supporting hop. Um, but I just haven't really come across a lot that I love that much. That's um, very fair. With the exception of a few. Mm-hmm. Sorry? It's very fair. I, I agree. I feel like Galaxy isn't what it used to be. Vic Secret, Ella, all them shits. All, ain't what all, they used to be. all of them. Yep. They're, they're not. Like, in, like I have, like I said, I take an outrageous amount of notes. And I've brewed every beer we've made for the last five years. I promise you, it's not just my palate. <laughs> I trust you, bro. If there's anyone I trust, <laughs> like they they they've changed, yeah. uh, and it's it's disappointing. Uh, Galaxy used to be my favorite hop, and like I've just now accepted that it just can't it can't be anymore. It's not yeah. a, it's not an option. It's changed too much. Um, I do still use it enough. It just isn't what it was, and yeah. it can't be my favorite. It just isn't as versatile. And uh, anyways, there are still some great Southern Hemisphere hops. So the big the big thing about this one, the reason why I went on that massive diatribe about Australian hops is I find they're great in lower proportions now. Mm-hmm. We're using them as a little bit of like an amplification piece. So basically what we ended up doing here is we took uh, Nelson and Motueka. Yeah. So Nelson's been mostly good for the last while. Um, every now and then there's some off lots, but this one's pretty nice. Uh, Motueka, we've been crushing on like crazy. We go direct to New Zealand for our hops and Motueka, uh, whatever we got from them this year has been absolute money. So we use it all over the place. It's a beautiful bodybuilder. So we used 33% of each and then we d- ended up splitting the difference uh, on the Australian hops. So Vic Secret is like and enigma or whatever the remainder is it's like 17 and a half percent or whatever um so in that lower amount i'm way happier with what australian hops bring to the table anything over like 25 percent, all of a sudden i'm like ah, it's a little astringent <laughs> and it didn't used to be like that I, I i'm really glad you mentioned it to be honest like i wasn't joking obviously i, I haven't been in australia in quite a long time but it's uh it's you know it's funny because Galaxy and all these different hops were just so like the ones and every oh, time man, I've yeah. had them I I kind of noted no one this is the very first time I've heard anybody in any professional capacity say what you just said and it resonated yeah. so strongly really? no one said it bro Nate have you let me here? talk some more shit <laughs> I'm bro. happy to do it I'm so frustrated with Australian hops let's I'm fucking go. <laughs> I'm not offended. I want you know. We obviously all want the best for these hops because we all love them. Yeah, but if they're not well, delivering I mean, what they need to be, yeah. I mean, I I I didn't know that 
um, other people hadn't been thinking that that's interesting. I'm at, thank you for enlightening me <laughs> <You're> <laughs> back. Uh, I thought, um, maybe, I don't know. I, maybe I just thought everyone knew and we're all just like, that. Ah, whatever the marketing power of galaxy, but <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. I, I definitely don't think everyone knew this is uh, the, 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 this is a completely fresh perspective on this. <laughs> interesting. interesting. All right. Yeah. Anyways, Australian hops have been horrible for two years. <laughs> like They've been an absolute nightmare to work with. The intringency has gone up. We've even done some like lab testing um, on finished beers where we can see like a, uh, not positive material difference in the water profile from uh, like literally, sorry, I shouldn't say water profile, finished beer profile of the way that the uh, mineral breakdown occurs, which is not good, um, which is why we use them in smaller proportions and they mm. seem to work better. I have, I'll be honest, again, no idea why that's the case. Um, it could be any number of things, but I I know that at least in the brewing world, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I've talked to other people about it. Um, I know, I forget who, I know some, I think it was Hill Farms that last year or some shit gave um, Hot Products Australia a hard time about not allowing galaxy selections. So apparently the way that all Australian hops work is the way that I was saying that like after uh, Yakima is done with Citra, for example, they just make a master blend. For Australia, they just make a master blend. Like, that's it. You get a master blend of, like, you know, whatever. Like, they make, like, a few blends. Like, you choose from these blends of Galaxy. So, you never even have the option to potentially get, like, a banging lot of Galaxy because it was blended out with whatever was around. Mm. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Maybe they're all bad. I don't know. But, uh, like, chances are that's not true. And there's, like, definitely some good rows or good acres or whatever of Galaxy. And, like... I think as a whole, uh, I don't think, like, I know in the industry, I'm not the only one who's noticed this about Australian hops. They used to be my favorite growing region. Mm. It's not anymore. Like I, like I said, like, it's just not, I, I struggle to work with Australian hops and be happy with them, uh, which is why I've made this compromise here. And I'm like, nice. So if I hide them, they're killer, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is Whatever. depressing because I used to be like, Oh man, we've had to literally remove beers from our lineup that were like these are all Aussie hops, like banging. Yeah. Like these would be some of my favorites, and like we've basically pulled them from the lineup, and that's just how it is. Because I'm like, I literally can't make these beers good. I've tried everything, I just can't do it. And they're they're fine, they're not bad, but like these are not the beers that we built originally because the hops have changed so dramatically. We just can't make them properly anymore. And like straight up, it's like if that's how they tasted when I designed them, I would not have kept them. Period. Mm. So at that point, you're like, yeah. retire that beer. We'll reassess later. And uh, really yeah, I think that's probably that, it. That's, I think it's probably just a case of blending. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. And I'm thinking back to a couple of beers over the last couple of years that I've had that were galaxy focused <laughs> and um, like, and thinking about the fact that like they really didn't pop the way that I generally expect galaxy focused beers to pop. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. like, and I was writing off the bit like, like writing off the beers themselves, but like with uh, like with this in mind, like that could put a whole different, pers uh, like a whole different perspective on this. And that's, yeah. That's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, for a brewery like us, like I was saying earlier, like we focus on, for better or worse, hop 
like distinctiveness. Like we live and die by the quality of the hops we receive. Um, We don't do much to mess with them. Like we are really displaying like, this is the hop, like it's unabashed. It's like, that's probably, again, like it's probably a little bit part of the reason why we get a little bit more dank. It's like, we are not biotransforming our hops. There's no active ferment. We're all post ferment dry hopping and we do it cold. Like we're really just like, this is it. This is the hop you're going to get. Our yeast profile, pretty neutral. Here you go. Uh, So when the hops are not great, like, we fucking notice and you know it it can be problematic when the hops are great like we also fucking notice so it's 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 a bit of a you know give and take for the way that our process works um when we can source amazing ingredients like i think that's the best way to display them when we can't source good ingredients we should change our process to hide them, but then it's also not a Badlands beer. So I'd rather just not make it. I completely respect that. And I like that you at least you found a, a way to utilize those hops. Maybe you've got on contract, you've got them sitting around, you're like, well, now I can't make Galaxy the star of the show, but I can absolutely make him a, you know, a team player in the mix. Um, yeah. Shame, man. I am trying to make a galaxy beer next week, though. So I think I, I maybe yeah. think I found a good lot of galaxies. So stay tuned. I am bullish and willing to try. <laughs> Have you heard, though? I love that you're doing that. Have you heard, excuse me, the same thoughts from other brewers? You know, of your, to me, it's, I guess I'm curious, of your ilk, meaning third moon yep. and, 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 you know, the yeah, like I'm not, I'm not alone in saying these things. Um, okay. Maybe I'm definitely more uh, vocal? <laughs> vocal about it. Like I bring it up a lot, but um, if you were to like translate the way people think about the way they're using their hops when you speak to them, a lot of people are struggling with Australian hops. There's no mm. question about it. Um, so interesting. I'm just, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and reviewing notes and like doing research. I've even contacted HPA. And they're like, shut up, you idiot. They're fine. Not they didn't say that, but <laughs> like they're, but they're like, but uh, like I've just asked. I'm like, what's different? What's going on? Um, and you know, on paper, everything looks fine. Is yeah. the other thing. That's why I think it does come down to you know the same way that brewing comes down to a piece of art and science. You know, the agricultural piece of anything comes down to a little bit of art. A little bit of science you can put a lot of metrics to what hops are in terms of like oils the way they break down in terms of alpha acids cohumulone uh, you know whatever linalool all those good things uh but they don't tell the whole story sometimes you need to smell a hop to know what it's like and other times uh even if you smell a hop that's great it's not going to taste great either it's it's, it's a very complicated like art and science piece as well and I don't know exactly what's going on, obviously, in Australia. Never been there. Never selected hops there. Don't know those people at all. Don't want to talk too much shit, throw too much shade. All I can say is what they're doing uh, is not up to par with what they were originally doing. doing? Uh, And it's an extreme bummer because, Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it used to, like, 
unquestionably be my favorite. Like I like I was so fucking bullish on Vic Secret for the longest time. And like Vic Secret's kind of like another like Sabra one with like, ah, people are like, mm, I don't love it. And I'm like, no, 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 you're wrong. Vic Secret's amazing. And now I'm like, never mind, you're right. Yeah, like the last two years, I'm like, Vic Secret sucks. It's not that good anymore. It's it's a real bummer. <laughs> like like it, it can it be used? Totally. It can. Like it's in this beer, it works. You know, it's it, but like if you're like, I'm gonna do a Vic Secret bomb, it's like, nah, man, just nah. leave it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> It's so crazy. When I was there last in 2019, I guess, because I try and go back every well before the pandemic, I was trying to go back as much as possible, like once a year or whatever. And I noticed that they were just like throwing all of these hops that we paid out the ass for up here just in their beers like it was nothing. And like a boom, 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 like Galaxy Fix Secret, Ella, Enigma, Topaz, all that bullshit. It's like flying it out there. And I imagine they would have paid a fraction of what you know, North Americans would pay for the same product. Um, so I'd be very curious. I might even just tap a couple of the homies out there and just be like, yo, like, what's the Shit. vibes? Just now that you've said it, and it's almost Report like- back. I want to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> dead ass, I'll, I'll shoot you a note, bro. Like, I'm, I'm really 100%. genuinely curious because I want to be like, look, all right, well, I'm, as soon as you said it, I don't know about you, Nate, but it resonated with me straight away. I kind of just feel like every time I had Galaxy in something or any of these Aussie hops, I feel like it didn't hit like it did like a couple of years ago. I yeah. don't. Oh, no question. <laughs> there goes my uh, camera. Hang on. Let me add you guys back in again. I'll let the. Uh, oh, let me move him back. The battery. That's hey, okay. We are here. Yeah. No, no Beauty. Um, uh, the one thing I will say about Southern Hemisphere hops, though, is yeah. that um, New Zealand hops continue to be fantastic. So they're taking the place. Uh, I got I got to give them props. Oh man, yeah. New Zealand hops are like sensational. Like we use a shit ton of them and I mm -hmm. I love them. Like they're they're great and I hope they continue to be that way. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what happened in Australia, but southern ah. hemisphere it's like New Zealand. Bam. Like that's <laughs> they're yeah. the ones now. The benchmark. Yeah, and there's yeah, so the many of them. Kiwis take over. Yeah, man. But I feel like there's they're more all good. Is there more Kiwi hops than Aussie? Because I feel like the Aussie hops had a solid four to six that were like A1. But I feel like New Zealand I mean, has like more A1 New Zealand. Yes, exactly yeah, like, right. If you were to go like, so like what hops are either excellent to really good in New Zealand, I'd be like, like Nelson's an obvious choice. Rewaka is yeah. fucking awesome. And I'm really sorry I didn't send you anything over Rewaka because we brew a shit ton of stuff with Rewaka. So expensive, but I love it. So uh, Motueka yeah. has been great for a while. Uh, underrated, Moo Tree. Like, no one really brews with it, but it's like, it's this random ass hop that everyone kind of forgot about because they probably didn't market it well, but it's great. The new one, Nectaron, is literally Nectaron. like, as, yeah, as good a hop as I've used anywhere is it a game changer no it's not like a sabro level of like flavor changer but it's sensational like, it's a great hop uh we've been using it all over like the place I, we're almost done with that yeah i feel like rakao has been pretty like has been pretty Rakao's. solid as well whitey no it's like orchard fruit yummy yeah like wheaties like straight yeah. up like apricots like literally like they're like mediocre hops are just good you're like oh yeah. sweet <laughs> what a no lose yeah. situation for me they don't play, yeah, YET. Um, uh, what were some of the other ones? There's a bunch of stuff. There's like there. Southern Cross and shit like that. It's like Southern some of them Cross are like more designed for like other, um, like 
the lager process. Like I would say like better lager hops, but as far as like IPA hops, there's like seven that I'm like, yeah, yeah, throw them in anytime. It's all good. They'll yeah. work. Yeah. Never, yeah. never goes bad. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a changing of the God type of thing where like Aussie hops were killing it for a while. And then the Kiwis were kind of, cause like, you know, being from there, Australia is the big Island. It's like the U S and New Zealand's Canada. Sure. Like the, the little place where you, you know, yeah, oh, fucking New Zealand. Yeah, all right. Like it wasn't like cool, <laughs> but it's the one place that we can live without passport. We can go between it. They sure. can come to Australia. We can go yeah. there and live and, and work. I'll be honest. Life. For the sake of hops, I hope you're wrong, and I hope it's purely like, oh, we forgot to just like do it right or some shit. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> Honestly, I'm gonna message give you an easy solution. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to message a few dudes after this because I want to find out what's up. I, I don't have a ton of connects in Australia, but I have enough that I can be like, yo, bro, like like a few breweries that do this type, you know, just like haze and, and pastries and lagers and all sure. that stuff. I'm going to be like, bro, like what's the deal? But I feel like they'll be like, oh, man, shit is trash. We're all fucking New Zealand right now. And I wouldn't be surprised. It might be like, because it, it just yeah. was so funny to me the last time I was there where everything was using the Aussie hops and it was so fire. And this was 2019, so I guess that's three years ago. Sure. Where um yeah, and it must have cost them nothing in comparison to what you know you you know anyone up here would be paying. So I just think that whole concept yeah. is uh, annoying and and funny. But uh, you know, you know, as long as like maybe maybe it's a part of the game. Maybe the Aussie hop growers will see what's happening in New Zealand and be like, all right, we need to step our game up and you know do their thing and and come back around because it seems like it's those either the Pacific Northwest. With you know all the obvious fire in Yakima and surrounds, and then uh, you've got some like the southern hemisphere. There's probably a few little. I think there's a few South African hops that are good, and, and here and there. But for yeah. the most part, it seems to be. Well, that uh, can so, be all right. Like there, there's some good ones there. Um, seem to be. A lot of it seems to come down to consistency too. Like even in right now, like I'd say Mosaic has been struggling for about a year or two as well. For real. Um, and like Washington's great, but like. You know, there are still some great lots of mosaic out there, but like the master blends or like the bigger blends of mosaic have been pretty mediocre for a little while compared to what, you know, even two years ago they were. The flip side to that is uh, two, three years ago, you know, the bigger blends of Simcoe were straight up. Like when we started the brewery, like Simcoe sucked. Like it was, it was on the down hard. Like when people say cat piss, I'm like, yeah, like I still remember when Simcoe was, tasting like cat piss wasn't like it's still in my memory it wasn't crazy long ago but nowadays i'm like simcoe like simcoe is amazing like did, we like simcoe is fucking killer lately yeah and did it I the last two years simcoe has been unbelievable interesting like for like for a good piney west coast like simcoe right now is unbeatable yeah yeah, not even point. that. It's like you want to make one of the best like New England IPAs, put some Simcoe in it that like has been like kind of like mid maturity pick. It's literally like an apricot pineapple bomb. Like it's incredible. Mm-hmm. See, even just that what nice. you just said, then I've never heard anyone say that mid maturity pick. Like that's fucking wild. This yeah, is- like if you change if you change when you pick the hop, it's gonna change the way the hop tastes like mm. like literally we're talking like days to weeks so like typically something like a uh you know a bittering hop where they're like look we're just chasing pure alpha acids you just leave it on the bottom 
just wait. <laughs> like, leave it there as long as like, oh shit, it's gonna be too long. All right, now you pick it, and like the alpha acid content will go up. Whereas if you're chasing aromas, like there is like a you know you gotta know when to pick it. Basically, yeah. it's like what aroma are you chasing? When do I need to harvest this? And like if I have too many acres of it, I won't be able to harvest it all. So it's like I can only grow this many if I want to achieve this profile. Hopefully, as long as the climate is also in agreement with me, um, it's a bit of like a yeah, yeah. yeah this, it's it's this is it's hard. I, I, I could listen. I could listen to you talk about hops all night. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're. Uh, I feel like you should work for. Like I said, I, I do like IPA. I promise. Like, I'm very <laughs> fascinated with hops. <laughs> I, I like other styles it. too, but hops are cool. <laughs> Dude, it's uh, it's actually really fascinating when you really like. It's like you're getting down to like hop science as far as like the there's so many intricate details of things I've never and we've had hop farmers from. Yakima on the podcast. I don't recall even speaking to them about like when to pick and stuff. Like this is well, there you go. I mean, hopefully, I've given you some new questions to ask if you ever have them on again. Where um, sometimes you just don't even know where to direct them. It's like, hey, hop farmer guy, when do you uh, when do you <laughs> like you to pick Equinot? Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, Equinot, that's my favorite hop. Let me tell you. <laughs> I think that's the next vibe. Okay, so there's two things I really wanted to, to ask uh, you as well, sort of like slightly off topic. One, have you ever done like pastry stats and stuff? Because in the world that you're in, you know, a crispy haze and like you said, a bit of farmhouse and kind of mixed firm, um, typically the other style that would come with that package uh, from the kids these days is, is stouts. Have you done anything like that before? We've done some stouts. And now that you bring it up, uh, I am very sorry for not sending you any because we do have some out right now and I do still have some that I could have sent you. So I apologize. Uh, but yes, we, we, we don't really do pastry stouts per se. Um, like typically when I think of like pastry stouts, I think of people trying to emulate um, like pastries in the form of a beverage. And that's not really, yeah. for me, flavor profile I'm interested in. Um, I love like fat ass barrel aged stouts. Like I love them. Um, like as a liqueur is the way I think of them. They're just like a, a beverage option that are just like delicious to sip on. Yeah. But I don't want them to taste like, you know, I don't know, whatever, like a cherry pie or like whatever. Like that's just not really for me. Like if I want a cherry pie, I'll typically have a cherry pie. Um, you know, as a little, like a quick sidebar, like smoothie sours, like also not a beverage for me. Uh, a lot of the time I'd rather just make a cocktail. Like, it's just not like, I'm, I don't know. A lot of them are like in between beverages that I'm like, yeah, like I guess, but like, it's just not, I'm not going to make a beer that way. It's just not, you know, if we're going to go out of business, yeah, I'll make a beer that way. But like, I'm not going to do it if I have to, unless I have to. <laughs> uh, and like, Tree Stout is, is you know, part of the same. I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be good. I hope so. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to do a smoothie like, collab. I will. Yeah, I don't want to lose my house. So, like, yeah. I'll do anything to keep my house. <laughs> I respect uh, uh, But yeah, I mean, uh, like, Pastry Stout's, like, in the truest form, like I said, like, you know, Rocky Road you know stout or whatever like that's not something we're honestly gonna do uh as long as like i'm the one still like designing recipes and stuff it's just not gonna happen um it'll be um it'll just be like for me like just a straight barrel aged stout that's absolute money like part of the blend like that's 
I love that. Again, it kind of goes back a little bit more to like the mixed fermentation side where it's like, oh, these barrels taste great. Like pull these threads together, do something with them. Um, and then there are other barrels where you're like, all right, well, that one's got some vanilla character, throw some villains into it or whatever. Uh, this one tastes like whatever. So you're like, oh, maybe we can throw on like these adjuncts. Um, but it's more like an amplification piece rather than chasing like a pastry flavor, I guess. Mm. Um, and you can totally call that a cop out if you want. And I'd be okay with that level of criticism because it's definitely true. It's like, if I use cinnamon and vanilla and like, a, I don't know, a marshmallow, because that's what I taste. It's like, how different is that than a cake? And it's like, it's a good point. You're not wrong. <laughs> but if that's what I taste in that barrel, it's like, I would be comfortable putting cinnamon and vanilla. I probably wouldn't do marshmallow just because I don't feel like dealing with marshmallows. Um, but like, it, it really depends on what we're working with. I would, I would, I'm really not allergic to like using a wide variety of adjuncts. Um, it's more, like I said, when it comes to being like, man, I love this dessert. I want to make that in a liquid form for me. I'm like, that's just not something I'm attracted to as a brewer. Uh, it's, it's, it's always the other way around where I taste the liquid and I'm like, what are we doing here? Rather than like, I taste a dessert and I'm like, how do I make a liquid be here? That's not for me. <laughs> I respect that. Um, that's great. I'm glad you guys do that. So like barreling, I, I didn't realize it was like a barrel aging uh, situation. Then. Like that was mostly what you're focusing on with stats. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was up to me and not the level of time and consumer demand for stouts, I would only release barrel aged stouts. Um, and soon I'm hoping that will become the reality. Love it. Uh, once we have that new building up, give it like, you know, one to two years. So like, let's call it 2025. We're totally going to be there. <laughs> um, then, then yeah, we probably won't release any, stainless stouts honestly um pretty much like when, when it comes to like big stouts i'm like you know what like i like barrel i like time i love oxidation in stouts like give me that uh when it comes to lower abv stuff i'd rather go with the porter angle uh and that's typically where we go so if it's gonna be under like six percent it's like you know what like just make it a porter does it need an adjunct maybe but it'll be simple. It'll be like, ah, like a vanilla or whatever, or maybe like a vanilla coconut and then like just a porter. But like, mm -hmm. I, I would prefer to go porter smaller, keep the like roasted grain out of it. For me, that's the only distinction between stout and porter really is like, is it roasted barley or not? And um, when it comes to stout, I'm like, fuck it. You know what I like in stout? Big fucking yep. sugary like barrel aged stouts like that's what i want when i'm like i want a stout and when i want a porter i'm like i want to lower in the alcohol range again like in that six or lower so um yep i would expect I'm, to I'm, see that by 2025 <laughs> we'll get there eventually. i'll be looking forward to that yeah. <laughs> yo i i feel that everything's though, a like, long slow process <laughs> and yeah patience guys patience yeah, the, the, those that's what I mean. I try and tell everyone, I'm like, just wait. I'm sorry. It's just I'm not that quick. <laughs> like, we'll it's get take there. some time. The when it's here, I promise it'll be worth it. Isn't it though? Every fucking time. I hope so. I mean, like, typically if it's here, it's like I like it. So that's the level that we're playing on. Yeah. I like it. 
to yeah. you. <laughs> I feel like the porters are like underrated. I feel like that's something that like I think some time. Yeah, I find like myself. I feel. Like, I find like I'm craving a lower than six percent uh, dark yeah. beer at the end of the session of having you know three no other doubt. beers. I'm like, I need to switch it up. We have a crispy cup of haze or something. I'm like, I would love a 5.5% porter. Even if it's like, you know, you mentioned coconut and vanilla, which sounds amazing. But even if it's just money, just straight up and down, I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. here for it. You got to have that regular you know, porter. I feel like, like, yeah, I, I feel like we're seeing less and less of them lately. I feel yeah. like porters were bigger maybe four or five years ago. But uh, like, not like, like in the last one or two years, there's like there's been fewer and fewer of them. I I, I feel it's a shame. Yeah, I think so. And like we used to make two to three a year before COVID, because uh, we used to just serve them on draft. And I was like, I don't care. We'll just put them there. Yeah. Uh, and then ever since COVID, it's like draft is on and off. Now I can't really like we have our pilot system still, so we'll still put anything we make on that, which is just our old system on draft. Uh, and a porter is something like I really wanted to do this year. Uh, a couple of anyways it just never happened because we got shut down and then i was like ah fuck it i guess we just won't get around to it mm. uh which is a bummer because like i think it's a great i think it's a great drinker that or like a check dark or something uh yeah it's just like an absolute money like uh dark beer and like check dark was also on my list it's another thing that just like, like got fucking beer. tossed yeah Oh man, exactly. Schwarzbeer, check dark, like oh. just any kind of like dark lager. I'm just like, please. please. <laughs> oh, and that's a summer crusher, bro. Like, I feel like you could even have that if you get the space leading up into the warmer times. Like, I would drink a like a, a black lager fucking any time of the day. That shit yeah. is like one of the most yeah. underrated yeah. styles. I think I think they degrees as well. Like, it sounds like you do too, bro. Like, yeah, that's funny. Like, black lager oh, is just like impeccable when so they're good. done. I could drink those well, all they're, day. They're, like, totally. They're the perfect like intersection of, uh, you know, like that nice roasted malt character that you're looking for. Mm. And then uh, also drinkability. Like it's just as simple as that. You're like, oh, I'm hitting this like flavor profile that my tongue wants, but also I'm going to drink a lot of it. Yeah. Which ultimately like if I were to like summarize how I drink beer, it's like I like liquid in large quantities. <laughs> I like lower ABV stuff. I just want to hit flavor profiles while I drink the large amounts of liquid. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to become belligerent. <laughs> you got to like, yeah, pace it out. I, I'm seeing more value in that as I'm getting older. Like, I feel like I'm like, yeah, like I, I definitely appreciate that. I've seen other breweries. I got a good friend here at Les Passport Link and he always loved the low ABV beers. And he was like, oh man, I'd rather have like 15, 4% beers than like three eight percent beers and i'm like oh, that's a good point and I'm like, i agree with you yeah i mean like, 15 beers is pretty great <laughs> well you know keep, keep going over time and obviously you know everything has its place uh as far as that but yeah i definitely would i, I feel like it sounds like it's uh the the black have you ever done a black lager before from you guys no uh, we were hoping to release our first one. Uh, I guess it would have been like December or January before, yeah, before we got oh, shut down again. Yeah, is there time? Yeah, time. Kind of longer. yeah. Is there time or space at this point, or probably it's a little tougher as it's coming into spring now? It'll be hard. Yeah, as we're going into like spring and summer, like time is at a premium, and like winter we get lucky because we just can't build as much stuff or like work basically as much uh mm. just because we get 
shut down by nature. Yeah. Um, so like that's the time to get on the pilot system. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a little too busy for the next little bit here. So yeah, we're definitely not going to get it done. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That's we're okay. hopefully, hopefully next year. Yeah. That's the thing. Like we're building a building right now. We're, we're upgrading some other stuff. We're still working out our like food program. So we're trying to expand that, get like, we're running gas lines and shit right now. Like there's just a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of things we haven't even spoken about that. Like we still do on the back end, And then, um, you know, as much as I'd love to be able to be like, yes. Also, the guy who brews at Badlands is like thinking about a check dark lager. It's like, yeah, for January 2023, though. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, it's going to be a minute. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there's, just, there's a lot of things in my brain that uh, need attending to, unfortunately, before that. No, I respect that. Um, the That's other fair. thing I wanted to That's touch fair. on. Uh, I feel like we're, you know, we're, we're coming up on three hours here, which is, which is amazing. I knew we would. The other thing I want to just touch on before we wrap up was I really like the way that, you know, when you guys sell online, you've got, you keep it super simple. You've got two ways you can buy, you buy the 12 or the 24. And yeah. where did that come from? Because I just like, I really, I don't know why. I just, I really appreciate coming from Australia. Like when I moved here, not so much Canada, but the States. I went, I remember when I first, actually, no, fuck that. When I first lived in Toronto in 2004, I was very big into like the new era hats, which are like the one with the snapback, with the, the, the fitted caps. You couldn't get them in Australia. I remember going into a store in Toronto on Young Street. I walked in and they had, and when I grew up, you had basketball jerseys. You had like Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan, and, and Charles Barkley, and that was kind of it. And you walk into this store and they've got like a hundred different jerseys and like 700 hats. And I remember walking in and then walking out. I'm like, this is too much. So I find that like in North America, there's definitely something about being spoiled for choice. And there's sometimes a little difficult when you can go to somewhere and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't even know what to get. But if you've got two choices, you got 12 or 24, and this is what you get. This is what we have. Where did that come from? Because there's something about that, that, um, the, the, that experience made me appreciate and be like, oh, well, I don't have to think about it now. I've got two choices. Do I want 12 or do I want 24? Boom. How many do I want? How many do I want? <laughs> As opposed to do I have to choose them all? No, let bad lines choose them for me. Like what's, what's the vibes with them? Like, I really like that. Uh, I'll be honest. It's, it's purely out of necessity. Okay. Um, I wish – Again, like everything, I wish there was like a better story and master plan to it. There just isn't. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, like it's it's rare, I would imagine, for even you guys, but also me speaking to other breweries, uh, to speak to another brewery where it's just three people who do like all of the jobs. Not like, oh, yeah, like we have like this other part time or what. It's like, no, 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 no like it's just three people. So like when you guys place an online order, like it's, it's either me or my wife who packs it. Like that's it. That's what's up. And um, we had started originally with like, yeah, like buy as many as whatever beers you want and packing, like, I don't know, like let's call it 20 orders took like two hours. Like it was like, Oh, I gotta like really double check this. Like this guy got one of this three of the oh and a bottle so like let me start wrapping it and I'm, we're just like this is unsustainable like we simply cannot manage this um so we were just like we need to standardize the packs so we're just like let's just make them the best possible packs available 
essentially. So we're like, what is the best spread based on the volume we have available for an online shipment? And uh, yeah, and then we just made them for 12 packs and 24. It's like you want one of the spread or two of the spread. You split them with a friend, like whatever. And uh, that really helped. Um, like it, like pack <laughs> orders a lot faster. Uh, yeah. Like there were like early on when we started doing like packing orders, like it took way, way too long. Um, it's a lot better now because of standardizing packs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. May, like maybe there's a day where we could go back to like having options. But also at the same time, I'm like, I truly believe the pack is the best option. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. You should probably buy the pack. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, the pack, like, like the, the pack is uh, like, is really solid. And like, I hadn't even thought about this this way before, but as he was just saying, like it makes it super easy as a consumer, uh, be, like like because it's true, it, like like even the, like it, like I mean it's it, it like it makes a ton of sense what you're saying, like like for, like from your guys' side with only like with only three people, like like that would take a lot of time to fill custom orders, but it would be so much easier to make it standardized and just either do 12 or 24 but like from a consumer side as well absolutely like you hum and haw about these things quite a lot like like you know how much am i looking to spend do i like you know do i want one of these do i want two of these do i like do i want this beer do i want that beer how much am i willing to spend but it's a case of if i'm like if i've decided like okay i think like you know i'm thinking i'm feeling like a badlands order this week if I want, uh, like, like, so I know that, like, okay, I'm going to get 12. I know exactly what that's going to cost, and I know that I'm going to get a cross-section of whatever they've got in stock. It's nice and easy. That, like, and I know what I'm gonna yeah. getting up front. I, I like, I'm going to spend two minutes on it to just click it. My credit card information is preloaded. It's ordered. Takes no fucking time at all. Whereas I might hum and haw over some other, like over some other stores for like half an hour, and I might like, and I might leave it sit in the cart for like two or three days before I actually like send. It's so much easier. <laughs> That's true, man. And like, I'll be honest. On um, this is one of those things that on our side we've certainly thought about it. Like, I would like to offer a more consumer option, but it's like we we are we always have to balance like consumer. Uh, preference versus like just back in like what's possible and uh, we're we're just not at that option where we're like we could even pretend to offer something else so we're just like keep it simple 12 24 yeah. you make your oh. choice yep. and then now we have what now anytime we have like logger as well we'll do like a 12 and 24 and it's like with a logger you choose. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, so you can like, yes. sub out some haze for some vodka. Basically, we just build two different packs. So we'll do like, this is an all haze pack. Yeah. This one is an all haze pack with a lager. <laughs> so it's like, it'll, uh, I don't know. Like, usually we have like four to six beers, right? So if it's like, we only have uh, five beers, it's like, great. Instead of, uh, you know, two of each, we'll just put two lager as well. And if it's a 24, it's a four of each lager. And it's like, you want it? Bam, you got some lager options. You don't want it? Great. Just sub, basically, it'll just, yeah, the, the haze will just eat the rest. It's like one of them will typically take up the extra two spaces. Mm. Um, and yes. if there's like, 
I don't know, whatever, three of each beers, then it's like, great, now it'll take up the fourth beer and so on and so forth. Um, so this week is the first week in a little while um, that we've had lager finally available again. I had to dump the last batch. It's the first batch I've had to dump in a while. It was, it was really bad. Uh, <laughs> we had some equipment failures. <laughs> it was not good. It, not a sellable beer. Um, yeah. Uh, we have a beer coming out next. Yeah, it sucks. We have a beer coming out next week called Frozen Pipes. <laughs> which uh, it's important. It's really important to why I dumped this lager <laughs> because the pipes froze for like our cooling, our heat exchanger cooling. Because for us, again, weird being a brewery, we can't just turn on a tap and have unlimited water. We have holding tanks that are buried in the ground. They're like 20,000 liter holding tanks that we had to dig out and bury in the ground. And we had to put them back to the brewery. And there was just like this one exposed piece and again it's in an open farm field and uh on lager brew day or that night or whatever it was like minus 30 minus 35 and it froze but i didn't know until i turned it on anyways i couldn't cool the lager down and i just like tried my best i racked it out to the tank i turned on like i would drain the well trying to cool it down anyways it hit the tank at like 120 fahrenheit and i was like it's probably not gonna work but like I'll try cooling with glycol jackets and then pitch the yeast. And I still tried it all. Anyways, it was fucking horrible. <laughs> it, it, it went right down the drain. It was terrible. So that's why we're, we, there's a gap in our lager brewing right now because we had an equipment failure. I mean, look, right. KU wins, well, right? That, that'll break your heart. <laughs> Part of the it game. is what it is, right? I mean, yeah. we've been lucky on the new system. We haven't had to dump too much. Like, there's been, I think, we've dumped about like three. Be about three percent of the beer we've made. We're almost a hundred brews in, and we've done three beers. So, um, for the first hundred brews, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that any day. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to get it better, but for the first hundred, done, done. That's a that's beautiful. Yeah, that actually. doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, and, and like the hottest. I mean, like standard would be like one. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, you're only two brews away from one, so. Hey, that's what I was thinking. Too much. <laughs> <So> close. <laughs> it's so close. If I didn't have the cumin failures, it's like they're totally explainable. Easily. I mean, yeah. look, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty sick. I'm particularly yeah, definitely know, the like, next hundred. I hope will be better. It, it feels like it will be. It feels like you're learning from all the mistakes and stepping up and leveling up and even just trying all these beers that are just fucking insane. Uh, even compared to six months ago. Uh, you know, man, it's it's just really beautiful to see. Like, it's just cool. I love to see this, it's th like this level quality at the scale. I guess is is so cool. And like, you know, being three people running it, like, I didn't realize it was uh, it was that, which is even more impressive. And just you know, I don't know, man. I'm just I just fuck with you guys and everything that you're doing. I think this shit is like a one. I think it really contributes highly to the uh, Ontario. I mean Canadian as a whole, but the specifically Ontario scene and, and the passion that your audience and your fans and your drinkers have is really testament to what you do and that, you know over over the years that you've been doing. So five years, I guess, 2017. So over five years and we're coming up in five. Yeah, I mean five. five yeah, we consider it like our anniversary August, roughly, because like our first beer sold was in August because we brewed in June um, of 2017. So yeah, we usually consider like mid-ish August. We call our first sale our anniversary. So it's usually like around August, 
15 or so, whatever the Saturday is that year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're, we're kind of up in five. It's, I mean, that's, that's pretty sick, man. Like I think specifically at the scale that you guys are at and the way that you've approached it and, and the, the thoughtfulness has gone into all the beers and the ingenuity and literally like you were saying earlier, building everything from scratch and adding in the, the stouts and the lagers and all this stuff. I don't know. It's just dope. It's cool to hear the story in context to what I thought of you guys beforehand as just these haze phenomenons who were just brewing this amazing shit. And then now hearing the challenges that went behind it humanizes it and makes it even more appealing to, to me personally. Cause it's like, I can see your face when you're telling them, I'm like, okay, so it's you and your wife and your mate, like are just figuring this shit out. And it's, uh, it's very, very cool, man. And the impact that you've had, it isn't insignificant um, in, in, the, in the scene, you know? And you should be very proud of that. No, I mean, I appreciate the, I appreciate the kind words for sure. I think uh, the sentiment that you just expressed is not uncommon, even just to people who speak to us um, almost every week uh, who come in where they're like – we did not expect this when we showed up here. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, what, like, what did you, expect? they're like, I don't know. Like not this it to be nicer. I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we built it. <laughs> this is what it is. Um, and yeah, uh, I think, I think on the outside looking in, it's easy to guess, uh, what people are or what they're doing or to, uh, project onto, uh, any anyone else who's doing something that maybe you knew uh, a different story about, uh, but yeah, I mean we are we are who we are. We're not ashamed of it by any means. We're happy to be where we are now. Um, I think I think uh, you know last year at our fourth anniversary, like our sign off line that I wrote was like we're just getting started, and I still feel that way today. That we are just very, very literally getting started. Um, I don't think a lot of people know what that means in the context of the way that maybe I mean it, but I think, you know, maybe if they listen to like three or whatever hours of this conversation, maybe they'll understand a little bit better that what I mean by like, we're just getting started is that um, we finally have the back end size to brew enough beer to meet the demand that we need to meet. And that um, we're now going to be able to start tackling kind of like the more granular, um, like smaller pieces where we're like, you know, hopefully going to be able to start growing things and malting things and implementing those back end things into the beer. Not everyone's ever going to notice that, but um, that's what I mean by getting started. It's like, hey, look, we finally like addressed the immediate need of having enough product. Let's make sure that the back end that goes into the product is what we want it to be. I love that. And I guess, that, like you said, that's the stuff that people don't see or think about. They just drink the end product and they think everything is dandy and everything's great. But from your side, there's so many things that could be tweaked and, and, and modified and improved along the way that, you know, maybe matters to you but the, at the end of the day i guess you know your audience is still satisfied complete more than satisfied actually satisfied is probably giving doing you a disservice like you know extremely happy with the output and the quality of the brew the brews that you're knocking out your uh, license caesar 
you're collaborating with some of the finest in both Ontario and Quebec and, and I imagine beyond. Um, yeah, man, it just, it just all seems very well-deserved and, and more well-thought and super well-thought-out and, and it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where you take it. I like that you've got control over, you're like, nah, like, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do this shit and we're going to grow this. I like that. Yeah. It's not just like, nah, man, we're going to like, I don't know, like I was saying, the capitalist stuff. I like that you sort of like, nah, this is how we're going to do it. And yeah, yeah it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> gift and a curse. We're in control. <laughs> There's something very like, there's something very deliberate about uh, the, the, like about the way that you're operating, and I think it's uh, I think that really shows through in uh, like like in what you guys put out. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, truly, thanks, man. I'm glad to hear that. At least it's reflected a little bit somewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a gift and a curse, right? Like sometimes having control can be a good thing in that you're able to maintain whatever vision it is that you're looking for. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you have to be realistic and sometimes put on like the outsider goggles and be like, I don't know, is this vision suicide for your yeah. business? Like you need to think hard about what you're doing. You need to be humble. Um, and sometimes that can be challenging too. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm comfortable, at least at this point in time, uh, with where we're at and with the decisions we've made and with where we're going. And um, I don't expect we're going to die anytime soon. So no. at least I hope not. <laughs> but but I think uh, I think we're, I think we're we're ready to make. Like I said, you know, earlier talking about like patients down smoothie sours and whatever. It's like look, like if if what we're doing today doesn't work. Um, you best believe that we'll find something new that works. Like I can't, like there isn't really an option for me to do something else. Like we leveraged everything. Like I lose my home if I can't pay the bills. So, um, you know, I better, I better pay the bills. And if the only thing that's selling anymore is like, I don't know, like smoked Doppelbach and smoothie sours. It's like, I guess I'll be making double smoked Doppelbach smoothie sour. Let's go. It sounds disgusting. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> like, oh and you know my what? God. Like, I'm kind of here for it. I better find a taste for it. Uh, that being said, it's like, I'll still make some hazy IPAs on the side with some lagers and whatever. But, uh, you know, all jokes aside, I don't, I genuinely don't think that day is ever going to come. Obviously, that style sounds disgusting, and uh, yeah, it <laughs> and I think I'm oh, it sounds it. the worst. Uh, and I think that like yeah, I don't want to make it. <laughs> and I might consider going. I might consider losing my home first. <laughs> uh, right. But I do expect like IPA is going to stick around. I expect lager will stick around. And that's part of the reason that we keep making these decisions about like what scale do we want to be because. You know, like, do we really want to make beverages we don't want to make? Or do we want to make sure that we're always servicing a market, however niche it is, so long as we yeah. can pay the bills? Um, and yeah. I would much rather play in that arena than any other where we're, we're basically just trying to follow, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever trend it is that maybe is or is not making money. Um, I'm definitely happy that the thing, one of my favorite styles of beer is making money right now. And if it 
doesn't in the future, then we definitely have some hard decisions to make. But I, like I said, I do think IPA is sticking around and I do think lager is sticking around. And those are uh, two of my favorite styles of beer. So um, I guess, I thank God. For that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, respect that. Couldn't agree more. I guess on that note, uh, I feel like we've uh, we've done great. We've kept you for uh, you know a little over three hours. This was really dope, bro. Like I really feel like I understand you and the brewery and the vision and the mission and everything you guys are trying to create. And I appreciate it on a deeper level now. And I imagine Nate that would you know you would feel the same way. Um, this has been super cool, man. I really appreciate your time. I want to do this like let's do this like annually at at the least. I just and feel like you, up? you have been yeah. a fucking A1 guest, like I was saying before. This is like, it's, it's dope. Thanks, right? <laughs> have you done these before? You've done podcasts before, I imagine? Uh, not a lot, but some. I mean, like I said, I think I'm just a chatty dude. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe that helps. <laughs> it's, it's, it's genuinely uh, a, a pleasure to chat, man. Like, you, you've made this like super easy for us. Um, you know, we, we do this a bunch, obviously, and uh, this has been genuinely dope. So just before we wrap up, I want to take the, the, the thumbnail for the uh, for YouTube. So I'm going to take a screenshot. Do you, want to, guys, do you guys want to hold up some um, beers? I'm just going to take a screenshot of the yep. screen here. What should I get? I think we can get these three for sure. I only have two labels. The rest are silver bullets for me. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. We got these ones here. All right. You all ready? We need a lot of low fills. Low fills are good. Um, honestly, Troy, uh, it's been a genuine pleasure, man. Seriously, thank you very much for your time. Stick around after just for a second. We'll, we'll wrap it up, and I'm yeah. gonna uh, we'll tie this up here for the uh, for the recording. Where can everybody find Badlands Brewing online, bro? Uh, so we're at BadlandsBrewing.ca. You can also find us on the usual social medias: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, it will be some version of Badlands Brewing Co. or Badlands Brewing. I believe Instagram is Badlands Brewing. I believe Twitter is Badlands Brewing Co. And Facebook is Badlands Brewing. This is just the way we are. I wish we could get Badlands Brewing on Twitter, but we couldn't. God damn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know. Uh, no, someone got there first, I guess. We'll take them out. Motherfuckers. Okay, beautiful. Uh, Nate, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, so everywhere on social, it's at Nathan Does Beer. Uh, you can find my blogs for BAOS at NathanDoesBeer.com. And uh, you can find me occasionally here co-hosting BAOS Podcast. Uh, Troy, thank you so much for coming on. This has really been an absolute pleasure. Uh, like, you're one of the most fun guests we've, uh, like we've had that I've been co-hosting on. Easily. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. Glad you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, stick around. We'll just, we'll, we'll wrap it up off air, but everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. Hope you learned a lot because I sure did. If you enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell. So you know when the new new drops, follow us on social media at BOS podcast and check out the long form audio every Wednesday, 8 PM Eastern. We dropped a new episode, so check that out. Hit us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you get your audio, and hit us with that five-star, mate. That means you get to hear more fire. We will see you guys in the next episode. Get it in.